bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 28. And man, we're glad to be back for another week and another episode. It is Tuesday, October 10th, 2023, and we are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these episodes already and the great positive feedback from these, from you guys, the listeners, has been phenomenal. If you have not yet checked out any of the past episodes, do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one, which is now available everywhere and anywhere you get your podcast nowadays. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora Notes, or, or Pandora, Listen Notes, Google Podcasts, and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests. It is fantastic to see the support from the local community and even outside the local community support in the sport of motocross. We are a part of an awesome sport, and I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Imperative MX Podcast for yet another episode. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to local racing, all the way to professional, and of course, everything in between. And with that, there are a good amount of talking points to chat about within this episode. First, we will get into some local races that happened this past weekend, the North Carolina State Championship, uh, as well as the Maryland State Championship, and the upcoming races within the next couple of weekends. We will have a call-in from the brand-new FXR representative for the North Carolina area and rider himself from the local scene, Matty Silva, about his new gig at FXR for the local community, his background in racing he went up to Canada this this summer so we'll ask him about that this weekend's race at the NC State Championship where he was at and much more then we will have a call in from local North Carolina native on that Monster Energy Yamaha star racing team Jordan Smith about his 2023 season racing outdoors since 2019 the Super Motocross World Championship and we will get into his amateur racing background, being from the local North Carolina area, and much more from both of the guests. Finally, we will break down our thoughts on the Motocross of Nations from this past weekend and get into some more professional news that dropped this week. So this will be a good and jam-packed episode, so strap in and get ready. Make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, and our TikTok channel if you have not already done so. And thank you guys so much for supporting us on all of our social media platforms as we continue to grow. Before we talk any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board here at or on the Imperative MX podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Mika Metals, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. We will get more into each of these awesome companies behind us here in just a bit. 
And don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com. When you get a chance, a ton of new things are in the works right now. So be on the lookout for some exciting news and things coming to the website in the near future. And of course, support the ones that support the sport. Like these companies helping us out to bring you these weekly podcasts. Helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast. The highly likable, knowledgeable, your District 29 2011 C-Class Champion co-host, Heavy D. What's going on, Heavy? So what's happening, bro? Man, it's just another week and another uh, another episode, man. We're three weeks in. We're on a string right now, so we're doing good. We're doing good. Oh, dude, we back full fledged. We are... Uh... We got this thing on a rope right now. We just steadily trying to straddle across that unit. That's right. West Virginia Motorsports, if you are looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, ATV, scooter, or anything motorized in that in that talk, make sure to stop by Princeton, West Virginia, or at their brand-new location, Virginia Motorsports in Withville, Virginia. Don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or Virginia Motorsports alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride. And don't forget to get those oil filters and air filters on your way out and don't catch them on fire like Heavy D did. Don't do that. No, no, we talk about this every time and uh, it, you, you're never going to live this down. I don't know we say it, but you ain't living it down. No, no, you are not and I'm always going to give you shit for it. That is for sure. That is a hilarious story. And uh, if you guys haven't heard it, I don't even remember what episode it was on, but go all the way back. It was probably, what, two or three episodes in, maybe heavy? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was two or three episodes in. It was, it's a heck of a story. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, thinking about it, heavy, um, I believe this weekend or this week or last week was the one year, uh, or I guess this week is really like the one year anniversary in quotations of us actually doing the podcast and our first episode was around this time last year so uh yeah man 20 episodes in that- and here we are yeah yeah golly that has went by fast oh dude it's it's unbelievable how time just flies the older you get right dude that's wild I, dude that's great matter of fact it it is because i remember I did an episode in the hospital after uh, Arlo was born. That's right. That's right. And it was the uh, Verb Moto um, Top Gun Showdown was, the I think, mm-hmm. the week right after that. So we're pretty much either there or we're pretty close to it. So one year of doing the Imperative MX podcast, and I tell you what, Heavy D, the feedback, like I said in the very beginning, and everybody that's been enjoying these has, uh, you know, it's it's been an awesome time and the reason that we do it is because we love the local motocross scene. People need to talk about it more, and that's what we're here for. And everybody has really been enjoying it. And, man, me and you have a blast doing this. You know, we get to talk for nearly two hours about dirt bikes throughout the week. And, man, it's uh, it's awesome. And uh, appreciate you being the co-host this entire time. I know you enjoy it as much as I do. Oh, dude, I, I love it, bro. It's, it's like you, you think about it, being around at the track, we always talk like you talk motor with buddies and everything and it's so much a lot of us always talk about but to actually get on and talk about a bunch of stuff and have listeners and have everybody actually enjoy 
there to talk about it, dude, I could be more pumped. You know, I'm just as pumped that you, you know, allow me to be your co-host and come on Imperative. Like, dude, it's, it's awesome, you know, and it's, it's come a long way extremely fast. And, dude, I can't wait to see what uh, more the future holds. Absolutely, man. We've had awesome guests throughout uh, this, you know, first year. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm very grateful that everybody that has wanted to come on to the podcast has done so. And, um, man, the the numbers are starting to jump off the charts, Heavy D. So we're starting to uh, make our way in as uh, as journalists pretty much of the uh, of the sport. And, man, it's, uh, it's awesome. And the reason that we do it is for the local motocross racing. And, of course, that's our first topic of tonight. Races this past weekend, races uh, this upcoming weekend, and races in the near future to attend. So let's jump right into it, man. The North Carolina State uh, Championship was this past weekend at NCMP. There was over 300 entries. I got to announce with the legend, the absolute local legend of Ken Farrell uh, throughout the weekend. And, uh, man, I did podium speeches there in the second motos for the overall winners and uh man it was a great track you know the crusty crew over there mark and everybody else that is behind the dozers does a great job at that track and it's got to be one of the best tracks in north carolina heavy d oh dude like man they they go above and beyond out there and i seen the photos of the track dude you talking about i know it was some good racing out there I, like, seeing how that track formed up, with it hands down, I know it had to be some insane racing going on. Absolutely. And, man, it was gnarly. It was rough. But I tell you what, man, there was a lot of good racing. And, uh, man, we chant, or we crowned some number one plates there at the end. And you know what, Heavy D, I figured on this episode we would go through each North Carolina state champion in each class. So uh, kind of let's get into it. In the Mini E 4-7, to seven, it was Max Forrest. Man, he was a fast guy this past weekend on those uh, 50cc. So he took the uh, number one plate in that Mini E 4-7. to seven. In the 50cc 4-6 to six class, it was Wells Richardson grabbing the number one plate. In the 50cc 7-8, to eight, it was Zyler Otone. And, man, I tell you what, Otone and Max Forrest went at it in that one it was unfortunate for max i believe he had a pretty nasty spill uh in that one while he was out front and Zyler was able to you know take the overall but man that was one of the best classes to watch that's for sure um in the 50 cc four to six deacon thomas uh i did a story actually on him uh throughout the 93 racers that were at loretta's this year and he was able to take home a number one plate in that shaft four to six 50 cc class in the 50 cc open five to eight max forrest able to get the win going uh one one so he took home the number one plate in that class in the 65 cc seven to nine it was julian Lubinsky all the way from pennsylvania grabbing the number one plate in that class 65 cc 10 to 11 it was action jackson castleberry and i tell you what that kid right there man he has got some style for a 65 rider and no wonder ken calls him action jackson because when the gate drops man he's all about the action for sure and i tell you what man there's those three little table or there's two tabletops right there in the middle before you hit the uphill triple 
And I tell you what, man, he was slinging around that 65 like it was James Stewart out there. I'm telling you, man, that kid had some style out there. Mr. Castleberry, uh, Castleberry, he was doing really, really well, and he was able to grab that number one plate in the 65cc 10 to 11. In the 65cc 7 to, 7 to 11, it was Easton Kirby taking home the moto uh, or the overall he is from West Virginia, so he made the trip on up, and him and Castleberry were going at it um, for the for the number one plate, and Kirby was able to take home the North Carolina State Championship in that 65cc 7-11. In the 65cc D beginner, it was Elijah Kaufman taking home the number one plate. In the 85cc D beginner 9-15, it was Walter Hollingsworth taking home the overall and the number one plate in the mini open, 9-13, to 13, it was Chase Landis all the way from Pennsylvania, came home or came all the way down here and was able to grab the number one plate. And, man, it was some unfortunate luck for Austin Webb, who we know is fast from around the area, and he's on that new KTM. He's been on Cowies for a long time, but he switched to the KTM, and unfortunate, he fell down in the second turn in that first moto and uh, grabbed a fourth, but he came back and won the second moto. But Chase Landis, man, he was on fire, and he was able to take the overall in that mini open 9-13 to to grab him a number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship. In the 85cc 9-11, to Kirby from West Virginia. Again, Easton Kirby taking home that number one plate, going 1-1 to get him another North Carolina State Championship. In the 85cc, 12-15, Austin Webb gets it done, going 1-1, taking home that number one plate. In the girls, 9-13, it was Emma James taking home the Moto uh, win, going 1-1, and will take herself home a number one plate in that girls, 9-13. In the girls, 11-16, it was Kelsey Harris. And I tell you what, this young lady from Jefferson, Maryland, I'm telling you, man, she was putting the work in uh, in a lot of these 85 classes and battling with the guys that were out front. And, man, she opened up my eyes for sure. And uh, she was able to take home the moto. Uh, he was take home the overall in that girls 11 to 16, going to take a number one North Carolina state championship back home to Maryland. In the super mini, 12 to 16, it was Matthew Williams, from Powhatan, Virginia, going 1-1. And I tell you what, that kid's got a bright future. I was able to talk to him quite a bit. Also, he was part of the 93 riders from Loretta's that I spoke about on ImperativeMX.com. So he will take home a number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship in that Super Mini 12-16. In the Masters 50-plus, none other than Alan Alford grabbing all of that Suzuki contingency this past weekend. And he'll take home a number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship in that Masters 50-plus. The schoolboy won 12-17. I tell you what, this was a battle between Braden Carpenter and Matthew Williams. Matthew Williams, of course, was on the Super Mini 85, and Braden Carpenter was on the 125, and uh, Williams was actually able to beat him in the first moto, but Carpenter was right on his tail the entire time. But in the second moto, Carpenter was able to get the best of Mr. Williams, and he will take home a number one plate 
in that schoolboy one 12 to 17 for the North Carolina State Championship. So good job to Braden Carpenter on that. In the 25 plus amateur BC, Nick Rafferty able to take home the overall in that, and he'll take home the number one plate in the North Carolina State Championship. And schoolboy two. 12 to 17, it was none other than William Runyon Onion. He was making those guys have a lot of tears behind him because I tell you what, he was on fire all day, and he'll take home the number one plate in that schoolboy two, 12 to 17. In the warrior class, none other than Justin Kurtz, man. He was riding really, really well uh, throughout the weekend, and he will take home the number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship in that warrior class. In the Unlimited AM BC, it was Dylan Box grabbing the number one plate, and he'll take home a title in that Unlimited AM BC. In the, in the women's 12-plus, it was Haley Vazalo taking home the Moto win, or taking home the overall and the number one plate back to Virginia, and she was part of the 93 riders that I spoke about for Loretta's on imperativemx.com as well. And so she'll take home a number one plate back to Virginia in that Williams uh, women's 12-plus North Carolina State Championship. In the 250A, we had Muckoff FXR Club MX rider Trevin Nelson come out, and he was able to grab the overall going 1-1 in that 250A, so he'll bring home a number one plate. In 250B, it was none other than William Runyon again taking home that number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship in 250B. In Open B, it was Grayson Watkins, and he will take home. Uh, he went 1-1, so he'll take home the number one plate. In 250C, it was Tyler Hicks, and he went 1-2 uh, for the overall, and he will take home a number one plate in that 250C class. In the Open C, it was Dagan Strickland. Talked about him quite a bit. Uh, when I do some announcing, actually him and Hicks went back and forth the entire weekend in those C classes, and uh, I believe they were both riders that I spoke about on the 93 riders that went to Loretta's and uh, on ImperativeMX.com. So Strickland takes home the overall and number one play in that open C and the open AB All-Star. We had quite a, uh, quite a battle, but it was... Trevin Nelson taking home his second number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship in that Open AB All-Star. In Open D, it was Noah Radcliffe from Holly Springs, North Carolina. He'll take home the number one plate in that Open D for the North Carolina State Championship. College boy, Gage Mc, uh, McElvan, he took home the moto win going 2-1, outbeating Grayson Watkins, who won the first moto. And so Gage... Uh, McElvan will take home the number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship in College Boy 14. The 24, in the 25-plus, Bennett Mantooth gets the job done, and he will take home the number one plate back to his home in Danville, Virginia, in that 25-plus. So he got, he got the job done. And in that 30-plus, none other than uh, Broken Needs Help, Jed Dry, he takes home the Moto uh, or takes home the number one plate back to 421, which he owns now in that 30 plus for the North Carolina State Championship. And 30 plus amateur BC, it was Cameron Blackwell. I used to race against him in my younger days, and uh, I tell you what, he was there every single weekend, and we used to, you know, quite we used to race and see each other every single weekend. So it was good to see Blackwell. 
back out there on the track, and he takes home the number one plate in that 30-plus amateur BC class. In the 40-plus, none other than Mr. Alan Alford himself grabbing a, some more Suzuki contingency, almost uh, bankrupting uh, Suzuki out there. And so he'll take home a number one plate back to Danville, Virginia in that 40-plus. In the 40-plus amateur BC, it was Jared Lim taking home the number one plate. He's from Raleigh, so he didn't have to travel too far going back home, but he'll take home the number one plate in that 40-plus amateur BC for the North Carolina State Championship. And in 45-plus, none other again than Alan Alford. So he went three for three on the weekend, grabbing all of that Suzuki contingency, RM Army. Uh, so he'll grab a number one plate in that 45-plus. And last but not least, the Masters Masters of 55-plus, David Box from Little uh, Littleton, North Carolina, went 1-1, and he will take home the number one plate for the North Carolina State Championship. And that was all the classes, Heavy D. And, uh, man, I tell you what, it was great racing throughout. It was awesome, really, uh, to see and to talk with Trevin Nelson. And I asked him, actually, on the podium after his uh, 250A moto, why he comes out to these races and he's like man just to get gate drops and i tell you what heavy d we talk about that all the time it's nothing nothing more um or nothing better for you than to get these gate drops in and uh have some racing for sure so it was good to have uh all of the racers out there over 300 like i said and man i tell you what every class had a battle out there on the track that's for sure Dude, that's that's awesome, man. That's, dude, when you said Bennett Mantooth, I was like, he still rides? Yeah, he did some nationals this year, too. Oh, dude, I did not even realize that. Yeah. yeah Honestly, he, I did. He took a little bit of break, uh, you know, some time off because he um, was going to college and all of that. And so once he graduated, he uh, got back on the bike and started doing some racing. So I get to see him nearly on a weekend's basis pretty much now that he's going to a bunch of these races and it's good to have Bennett back man he's a he's a really cool guy uh one of my good friends at the racetracks always uh, down to talk and uh, I tell you what man he's a hell of a rider as well oh dude heck yeah like dude Bennett like he honestly that'd be that's like another local legend itself like dude he used to be at all the like d29 or the District 13 races, like, oh, yeah. all of them, bro. Oh, I tell like, you what, he's course, a dude. menace at Birch Creek. I'm telling you, man, he's a menace at Birch Creek because, you know, that track's in his backyard home track. But I tell you what, I don't think I ever beat him at his home track, and I don't think a lot of people really beat him at his home track, Uh, you know, pretty much oh, in his backyard. Yeah, he, he gets down at Birch Creek. That's like – that's he he's him at Birch Creek. That's – That's right. You – if you want to get your lunch money taken, just go dad. That's where you get it taken at because that's his place right there. That's right. That's right. Did anything else uh, um, catch your eye there that I that I said throughout all of the uh, North Carolina State champions this weekend? Yeah, shoot. Um, of course, Gage McIlvain. Yep. I like it. He's still like – he's like still dedicated. I love it. Like even though I know it's not like District 29 – it's the NCMX series. Like right. to me, it's always going to be Dude Twenty Nine, no matter what. Oh yeah. I know they change the name, name and stuff, but it's like he's still the faithful to it. I love that. And uh, also, Trevor Nelson going out and riding and racing as well. I think that's sweet. You know, he's uh he flies that flag over there for the amateur side for Club of X. Oh, for and, sure. Um, yep. 
Oh, dude, he's in all the races. Matter of fact, like, yeah, that dude don't do nothing but race. That's like that, that's dedication to train full time and like race anytime you can. Like, I love it. He's kind of he's kind of like following that Shane McElrath footsteps. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like him, uh, Marshall Welton. Marshall Welton was like that too, dude. He would if it was like a money race or just any good local race around, dude. He would just show up by himself do his own gate, everything, and, and put in work. Yep. And you know what else is cool is that Maddie helped him. I believe Trevin came up by himself and uh, needed somebody to help him out. And, of course, we're going to talk to Maddie Silva here in just a second, the brand-new FXR rep for the local area. Um, but, yeah, you know, he came up all by himself just to race the North Carolina State Championship, and he did his first pro national at Ironman. And, uh, man, it was awesome to see that he still comes out and supports the local scene. And when we were on the podium, he says, man, I love this stuff right here. Just to, you know, hang out. There's not a lot of pressure. You get to just have fun, hang out with some of your buddies, and, yeah, go racing. There's nothing better than getting those gate drops. Oh, dude, 100%. Like, especially in the atmosphere like that, you know. Um, I, I really like that, you know, Mark, Mark and Miss Jill and uh, the whole NTMX crew, they, they got the state championship. I mean, I th- they're well-deserving of it. I mean, it to me, it, it fits. They any Honestly, just like any race they put on is, like, insane. They they do it like it's a grand opening, like I say. That's like, right. We, every, you know, every time you do a grand opening, it's like it's, it's that one to remember that kind of solidifies your place. And it's like they never lose that, like, mentality or that drive to keep doing that you know what i mean yeah it's like 06 all over again i asked mark what year was his first ama race because we were talking about it on the pod last week and it sure indeed was 2006 so oh dude when you talk to mark it's like like oh i try to say not to discredit any other track owners or or people any other people that run tracks but dude the knowledge uh, of like moto and the background he knows of the local area is insane oh yeah it's like he is a walking vault when it comes a time vault when it comes to that like he he like every time I, i've known mark for years and every time i see him and speak to him it's something different that i did not know right yep he was up there talking to us about Devil's Ridge when we were trying to find out some information about uh, Devil's Ridge, and he was telling us that the first AMA race that came to North Carolina was at Devil's Ridge. Now, now yeah. the Ridge, but yeah, man, he is a walking vault pretty much, and he knows just about everything and anything. And I tell you what, Heavy D, he brought in a lot of sawdust. I was able to ride the track on, on Saturday, just go out and have some fun and uh, get the you know, know the track. It helped me out with uh, announcing and all of that, and I had an absolute blast on that track. It was deep. It was rough. It had plenty of lines in every single section, and, man, they did a phenomenal job, and it wasn't too extremely deep. It was just perfect, and the moisture held in real nice throughout the day, and uh, they took, you know, a couple five-minute, ten-minute, you know, intermissions throughout you know, kind of hold the races for a second so he can go out there and water and plow some certain sections. And, man, they they absolutely killed it. Yeah, dude. It's, dude, it looked awesome. I bet it was fun riding it, too. And 
man, that honestly, that just goes back to what, like, I think when you have that much knowledge and love for the sport, I feel like being a tra- like him being a track owner and loving as much as he does, it it I think it makes making a track and knowing what it takes to have it good and raceable comes natural. That's you know right. what I mean? Yep. Like for him, it's not effort. Like for that whole crew, it's I mean they they put in the effort, but it. To them, it's not an effort because it's a love. It's a passion. It's like they can't wait to get out there and do it and, and know, just know, like, this track is going to be badass. Like, we are going to have the best track out of anywhere that is riding this weekend, guaranteed. Like, and that that's not trying to say that they're being cocky. It's just like they they know it's like it's that much love they have for the sport and to know what it's going to take to have everybody that comes in there and puts those two wheels on the track and go turn the throttle, that is going to be insanely great and phenomenal. No, for sure. And even the vet guys that I had up on the podium, they were saying, man, you know, the Krusty crew did a phenomenal job on the track. Yes, it was rough and it was gnarly, but it was safe at the same time. And I believe that that's what everybody's looking for. They want, you know, one of those rough and gnarly tracks, but they also want it safe at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... And, man, that's what I love about, like, being in a sport, especially, like, building and working on tracks and, and working with dirt every day. Like, you work with people. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, no matter what it comes to, even if it's training, even if it's an eating contest, somebody knows how to do something better in a different way. Nobody is the best in particular just one thing, I feel like, when it comes to teaching. I feel like you can learn something from a lot of different people, you know? Yep. And – like working with Mark, like I love working with him because it's like he he gives his he he'll he'll tell you like he he gives good feedback he he his criticism is great criticism I feel like right like working with him like he tell if you got a good track or if you can do something better oh he, he like if you listen he can guide you there you know what I mean that's right yeah and. I, I, that's what I love about working with Mark, and I feel like that's why the Krusty Crew was like. I mean, the Krusty Crew was legendary, dude. Yeah, like yeah, it is literally legendary. That's right. <laughs> so, and I tell you what, who else is a walking vault? Is the local legend announcer himself, Ken Farrell? Man, I had an absolute blast up there. We both uh, tag teamed the first motos, and man, I I tell you what, I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it, because just hearing his his voice, it's so legendary to the local scene, and for me to be up there and to, you know, call races with him, man, that was was something cool for me, and and I, you know, and it's one thing that I'll talk about for years and years to come, and I'll never forget that I got to call the North Carolina State Championship in 2023 with the legend himself, uh, Ken Farrell and man we had a lot of good conversations up there in the announcers tower even when we weren't talking on the loudspeaker oh dude Ken Farrell that is like I've, I've heard him announce I heard him announce a lot through the years when I race you know yep and like he is an awesome dude I, I know everybody like gives him gives him a little uh, uh grief about the Honda, but I mean that's him it's legendary nobody Nobody else can do that like he does. That's just that's a natural thing that just like comes off the tongue, you know. Yep. But like getting to know him, like I remember went to some races 
and uh, you know he he did the uh, moto Kiffer moto sound and like after the race and stuff, uh, we we all went to dinner and man, sitting down talking to him and hearing some stories like. Dude, like even like, do you know he look like he's a passionate person about music as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I was talking to him uh, up there because eventually, you know, whenever his time is is ready to move on with his life and he retires, I wanna, you know, I wanna be that Moto Sound guy. I wanna kind of take it over and you know, either if it's by myself or through the Moto Sound company, uh, I wanna do that. And man, from concerts, he used to have, uh, he used to sing and used to play music and. Um, Man, I remember at the at Birch Creek uh, at nighttime on Saturdays, he would sing underneath the little uh, uh, the little stage thing that they have as soon as you come through the gate uh, off to the left, and they would have movies set up there with a big projector, and he would sing music. And man, that was some of the best times. And yeah, man, he is a huge music guy. And I tell you what, his moto sound at Red Bud, Iron Man, Bud's Creek, you know, Muddy Creek, whenever they had it. And just anywhere and everywhere, his sound bumps, and he knows how to make some good sound and make everything sound even better than what it actually is. Oh, dude, like, when I found out, he was like, I feel like, you know, he, I think, like, when you know when he retires, like, you're the perfect person to take over, like, do moto sound, because y'all have the similar interests, you know? And I, I feel like to get that unique sound you got to be a music enthusiast in, in a sense yep. because it, it takes different qualities and being able to not like, not even so much as relate being subjective to different genres of music right? and sound. You no. Know? And like what got me, I'm like, I'm a huge, like I, I listen to all kinds of music. You know, I do. We've oh, written, yeah. hung out somewhere, but I love Michael Jackson, dude. And when he came <laughs> off the tongue at dinner, and said Michael Jackson's Thrill album was the best album ever. I was like, <laughs> "You're my best friend. You were my best friend." <laughs> yeah, man. He we was, had we had some good conversations about music for sure. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, like, you, you got to hear the story. I, I I want him to do it one race. I, is he going to set up at Lake Sugar Tree? Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Dude, you got to tell him to put Thriller on. He told me a story. He said every time he goes to like and does uh some like Halloween um what are those like corn mazes and stuff like that they yeah. always set up sounds. He was like, dude, anytime he was like, that's how we got on that subject. He yep. was like, dude, whenever I turn on Michael Jackson Thriller, he said it erupts, and it was like you could tell like he was serious because you could see the chills like when he would talk about it, mm -hmm. like it was insane. I was like. Oh, dude, that's you got me. Like I'm tuned in. Keep talking. Don't stop. Keep talking. Yep, yep. No, he told me that exact same story. Me and Nicole were up there and we were talking about music, and sure enough, he got onto the Michael Jackson Thriller. And any time that uh, there is a huge crowd and he throws that on, it's like everybody stops and everybody is just tuned in and sings and dances and you know, it's just a whole vibe. And you can just tell from his demeanor and his attitude and the way that he does his production man he is so in tune with that stuff and he just thrives off of it and it's really awesome to seeing it you know i i don't know if i get it from you know because i i watched west kane as i was in the amateur arena cross stuff and got to see him and got to learn how he 
announces and commentates races and stuff, but I've also listened to Ken Farrell. So, you know, I have a lot of mixes between those two because those are the two announcers that I've listened to my entire life growing up at the at the local races or even at the professional arena cross Amsoil races back in the day. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, you know, when you listen to somebody for so long, it's kind of almost like you see – you see yourself as them. Does that make sense? Like you could just see that oh, yeah. like, you have the same passion that they do because you get to hear it and feel it and, you know, all of that while you're at the racetrack or, or uh, inside the arenas or whatever the case may be. So I'm sure whenever Ken is gone, the Honda is not going anywhere because I'm still going to throw that out there because it's just legendary, you know? Oh, dude, that, that's not going anywhere. That, that legend will carry on. It's like, it's legacy. It's, that's another legacy that will carry on. Like, I, I, that's why I love, like, when we talk on the podcast and we do the local talk, it's like, I feel like it's more than just moto local legends, you know? That's like, right. yep. you know, you, you know that. Like, and it's so many. And I feel like a lot of the local tracks, what makes these local tracks is the people around and the people who put it together. That's right. Like, without that, it. I, I feel like a lot of these stories and a lot of these moto local legends, we we probably wouldn't even be talking about them right now. If That's it right. wasn't for people like Ken Farrell or Mark Chez, Miss Jill, you know, Devil's Ridge, like, even Daniel's Ridge. He's been like, man, the Muddy Creek's like, dude, look how much, how many people and riders is like, it's produced. Right. Over the years, even the series itself, the district, Victory Sports, I mean, NCMX, which was District 29, like Outlaw Series now. So many that's going on that's just going to continue. And I feel like, you know, as well, like you doing the announcing and having the podcast and us talking about it and you want to carry on that that legacy, that's what's going to keep it going. And that's what's going to keep making local racing great and hopefully – be as big as it once was then even bigger now you know that's right that's right and man it was a great weekend at the north carolina state championship and uh man we had an absolute blast and i can't wait until next year's north carolina state championship because i'm sure it'll be even bigger and even better and we'll see what track uh it goes to next year but also this past weekend was the maryland state championship at bud's creek Congrats to all of the number one plate winners for the Maryland State Championship at Bud's Creek. I was going to look for the results, but they haven't posted them all. So I'm just going to say congratulations to all of the number one plate winners. And I'm sure it was a big crowd up there at Bud's Creek at the chocolate factory uh, that they have, the chocolate cake factory that they have up there. So uh, once again, congrats to all of the number one plate winners and everybody that was in attendance up there. But let's move on to some races this coming weekend, this upcoming weekend, man. We have the big Verb Moto Top Gun Showdown at Muddy Creek this weekend. And, of course, that Cody Gregg two-stroke memorial race, which is always a fantastic race to watch and uh, to see. And there is a lot of money. There's up, I think it's close to $30,000 now that they have um, they have thrown up, you know, um, or, you know, they have put together from amazing, amazing people, and I tell you what, it is going to be a mob scene up there in uh, old Bluntville, Tennessee, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great race up there 
this weekend for the Verb Moto Top Gun Showdown. And I tell you what, man, there is a lot of guys that have come through the ranks that have been to that Top Gun Showdown. And, and, it's, uh, and it's awesome that they're having it again this year. And, of course, Dakota Gregg, two-stroke memorial race that they've been doing for a handful of years now. So there will be some awesome competition up there, Heavy D. Oh, dude, it's going to be hoo-wee. The amount of people that pop out for that. And let, I, I know it's the Cody Greg Memorial Race. And shout out to everybody who donates. But I must say right here and right now, I got to say it, we got to give Aaron Plessinger his flowers. That's He's right. We got to get him. That's right. We got to give we got to give Aaron Plessinger's flowers, man. Like, yep, 10K. That, 10K he gave up for yeah. this race. That is rad. That is rad from a professional rider still looking to the local scene and willing to help out. That is awesome. Yes. Yes. Got to give Cody, I mean, Aaron Plessinger's flowers, man. Like, honestly, and personally, it's, he is just, dude, the dude is Dale. He is Dale Earnhardt of motocross. For 100%. sure, Dale yep. Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt on motocross, like what he has done. It ain't even. It, it. I don't even care about the wins. Like wins, it's not even that. It's just being a true badass individual. That's right. Like a good-hearted badass individual. Like selfless, just as selfless as can be. Grinded all year, had a hell of a year. Still managed to go race MX on, still giving back to the local local scene, and still put like, dude, I love it. Yep. Like it don't get no better than that. And like I said, no discredit to any other rider, any other person. That's just me personally how I feel about AP. He's a badass dude, a hundred percent. He he deserves his flowers hands down. Yep, and we uh we say that he is pretty much the people's champ, man. He's a he's such a good dude and a rad dude. Uh, to talk to. I was able to talk to him for a few minutes at some of the Supercross races um, this past year, and man, he's just such a good down-to-earth guy, and for sure, we're going to have to try and get him on the podcast, because it would be great to uh, have him talk about some local races that he used to do, and for his love of the local scene, for sure, so we'll definitely work on that, but man, like I said, this weekend is that Verb Moto Top Gun Showdown, and the Cody Gregg two-stroke memorial race at muddy creek also this weekend is the elizabeth city motocross round number 14 of the ncmx series there's a new organizer for elizabeth city track so it will be a great weekend we talked about it a lot this weekend at the track so if you guys are around that surrounding area of elizabeth city head on down for round number 14 of the ncmx series there at elizabeth city and uh, the other one I have on my list is East Bend, their ninth annual cancer awareness race and round number five of the Carolina MX Championship. Uh, Heavy D, do you have any other races that are going on that I might have missed? No, I think those are actually it for this weekend. Okay, cool. So, yeah. yep, Verb Moto Top yeah. Gun Showdown at Muddy Creek, Elizabeth City, round number 14 of the NCMX Series, and East Bend, ninth annual cancer awareness race and round number five of the Carolina MX Championship. There's, so there's a lot of racing to do this weekend, so you can't say that you didn't have a chance to go and race for sure because there's three great races coming up this weekend. And last but not least, upcoming races to keep an eye out for here in the near future, of course, the Super Valley MX AB Shootout. And it will also be round number 15 of the NCMX Series next, next weekend, October 
20th and 21st. Remember that it is a Saturday race. They don't race on Sunday. So get there on Friday night after school, after work, whatever the case may be. Wake up Saturday morning, and, man, it's time to drop the gate, and it is going to be a good one this year, Heavy D. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's, ooh-wee. I can't wait. That's right. I can't so, wait. Yeah, the local national, Silver Valley MX AB shootout, round number 15 of the NCMX series next weekend, October 20th and 21st. So me and Heavy will be down there, and, man, it's going to be a great time. I'll be announcing that entire, uh, that entire day slash weekend. So it will be awesome, and we know that Thad and the entire crew down there is going to get that track really, really gnarly. Oh, 100%. It's – Dude, with it being flipped, oh, yeah. Dude, I'm with. I can't wait for you to see it, dude. It's it's insane. Like you thought it was bad ass before. Let me tell you, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh boy, I tell you what, man, it is going to be a great one. We went there last year, and me and you had an absolute blast. So I know you guys will as well. So, like I said, October twentieth and twenty first, that Silver Valley MX. The local national A-B shootout, round number 15 of the NCMX series. And then the West Virginia State Championship, round number 11 of D13, uh, District 13, will be also next weekend, October 22nd, and the race is at Tomahawk MX. So if you guys are around that area and want to go and get a number one plate for the West Virginia State Championship, head on over to Tomahawk MX for District 13, round number 11, next weekend, October 21st and 22nd and last but not least man my favorite race of the year my favorite local race of the year the lake sugar tree 21st annual halloween bash and round number 12 of the district 13 mx series and we'll have ryan smith call in to the podcast that week of so that will be awesome to have him and talk about what he has put into the uh into the facility for all of you guys and all of us that are going to show up for that 21st annual Halloween bash at Lake Sugar Tree for their uh, round number 12 of the District 13 MX Series. And speaking of local, we're going to go ahead and get the brand new FXR representative to the local NC area, Maddie Silva here on the line. FXR, from high-performance snow rider wear to motocross gear, FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, whatever the case may be, FXR has you covered. In my opinion and many other top professionals' opinion, go and check out the best in sizing, fitting, and vitting for motocross riding gear. So go and check out FXRRacing.com. Find them on social media as well, and thanks for their continuing support. The brand-new 2024 gear collections just dropped on their website, so make sure you go and check them out. All of the new colorways and styles to get you ready and have those lick kits for the 2024 season. And also, give FTA full-throttle adrenaline a look from the FXR guys as well. Phil Nicoletti and Mike Brown have been wearing the FTA brand, which is an alternative apparel brand designed to inspire and connect all racers and the stuff looks good and you know it's top-notch especially if it's coming from fxr so go to fxrracing.com check out all of the gear collections that just dropped and of course give the fta 
brand to look at as well. And on the phone right now, speaking of FXR, we have the brand new FXR representative, Maddie Silva, here on the line. Appreciate you coming on, Maddie. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem, man. And uh, first, before we get into the uh, new gig that you have at FXR, let's talk about your background in the sport. How'd you start? And um, and tell the people or tell the listeners about some of your top accolades that you have behind you. Oh man, I started out. Um, really, I was born into it. I'm my dad raced nationals back in his day for a long time, and um, I mean he was top ten outdoors. And, um, that stuff kind of slowed down when I came into the picture. And, um, as I grew up, I was a young kid, you know, I started on one of them little Honda fifties, you know what I mean? And then all the way up till now. So that's kind of, that's how I got into it. And, um, he was still racing some of the vet stuff when I was a kid and everything. So, um, I mean, it was, you know, me and dad going to races together every weekend. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Some of your, uh, top accolades, uh, talk about them. I mean, really we got um we got a few so i had um i had some good results at um some amateur nationals when i was a kid um but i mean really top accolade for me has to be you know being able to turn pro right because that's obviously as a kid that's something that you that you always dream of when you look at it you know you're sitting there in front of the tv on saturday you know you're watching supercross or outdoors and and as a kid you just want to be there so um, when I finally got to the place where I was able to do that and, you know, being at my first national was a surreal experience. And I've been, you know, fortunate enough now to be at multiple nationals here and, um, up in Canada. Right. So, um, I mean, definitely, I would say that's up top there for sure. That's awesome. And now getting into that FXR rep gig that you got now for the North Carolina area, which is awesome. I think for a lot of the people that are in that local North Carolina area for FXR because I tell you what, that company is booming and booming big time for sure. And I've been a part of that company since 2019. And I tell you, Andy, Brad, all of the people behind the scenes over there are some awesome, awesome people. How, uh, talk to us about how that all went down. And was there even an FXR rep before you in the local area? Um, I really don't believe there was. So, um, really how it came about is back in, I believe it was 2018, 19. Okay. Um, I worked, um, I worked with Andy and I was just, I, you know, I was just a regular FXR guy. And, um, kind of after that I went and I switched, I switched up gear companies a couple of times. I did, I went with shift and Alpine star after that. Okay. And then right before, um, I did nationals over the summer, I reached out to Andy and I thought it was perfect. You know, I was going up to race nationals up in Canada and, and FXR. So I reached out to Andy and, um, I just to see if we could set something up. And, um, he helped me out big time for the summer. And, um, I actually got a call from an old friend. It was, um, John Sylvia that lives up in Connecticut. Okay. And, um, he called me and said like, Hey man, like, uh, do you know if he's, he's an FXR guy, he kind of works next to Andy with you know, reps and everything. And, um, he called me and he was like, man, I don't think there's a, there's a rep in your area. I was like, no, I, I said, I personally couldn't tell you. I just go through Andy. Right. And, um, you know, we kind of got to talk and looked into it and it just so happened that there wasn't. And, um, me and Andy got in contact and he kind of set me up a program to where it's just, you know, going to local races, 
you know, having the product, you know, on display and obviously I'm wearing it now. So I'm repping it out there when I'm racing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, kind of scouting out for, you know, young talent that would, um, definitely, you know, look good in the gear and, and be a good image for the brand. So that's I mean, awesome. that's what I'm going to be doing here, um, for 24. No, man, that is awesome. And FXR is an awesome brand. Like I said, off the top in the ad read, it is some of the best in sizing, fitting and venting. And I'm sure that you can, uh, you can say the same thing since you've been wearing it for quite a while, huh? It is. And I mean, like I said, I, I wore it for a couple of years there and then I switched up and I went over to, um, went over to shift was a byproduct of Fox obviously. And I mean, then went to Alpine star shortly after that. And I couldn't really tell you when I, when I got back in to FXR, I could like, it reminded me just of how good the gear was. Right. And, um, I think there's definitely, there's multiple things that stand out about that gear, but I mean, you know, regardless of looks, the stuff looks sick. Right. But I mean, the stuff fits good. It's like it's durable, and I mean, it's all around. I think it's the best gear on the market. Yep, and I I completely agree with you. Uh, racing up in Canada this summer. Uh, how did that come about, and what was the ex- experience like going up north there? Um, so it came about. I had thought about it for a while, and um, it was a thought of mine back. You know, I mean, 2019. I think I started thinking about going up there. Okay. And, um, you know, it's been kind of on the radar for a couple years now. And, um, this year we kind of got a crew together to go up there and, um, you know, I was pumped. Like I said, it's something that I always wanted to do. Right. And, um, you know, I was able to go up there and the experience was, it it was awesome really. And, um, kind of like best way to describe it was kind of like, you know, from coming from us nationals and racing a handful of those, um, you know, being there and then seeing how they run things up in Canada, it's just so much more laid back, almost like the best way to describe it is like a local national. Right. Like everybody's kind of hanging out in the pits, like everybody's talking to each other, everybody's, you know, hanging out, they're doing amateur racing on Saturday, and then the pros go out and they do battle on Sunday. Yep. So, I mean, and I mean, really, I'm not trying to, you know, talk about mx sports or do none of that but it was i mean just financially too like it was so much cheaper to go up there and race and i had a lot more fun doing those three rounds up there than i have down here so i mean i thought the experience was awesome um i mean for anybody that's out there that's you know kind of in the same situation as me you know obviously you're not signed to factory deals or anything like that but even privateers i mean i've been telling people that i've been riding with and racing with like it's an awesome experience and i think really i mean a lot of people should i mean kind of shine a light on it because it is a really cool series up there and the people that run it are amazing there's wicked nice people up there and i enjoyed it and i'm definitely going back up there next year for sure yeah and that's what i hear from a lot of the professionals that go up there and race it's almost like a like a local you know race up there because everybody hangs out everybody's friends with each other you know the teams the riders and you know you get the amateur side as well and yeah it's pretty much just like a local race up there but it's like a local national because you know it is kind of big uh up there for them but yeah it is more of a a local scene type of race for sure uh and series pretty much the imperative mx podcast episode number 28 speaking with maddie silva the brand new fxr rep for the local area brought to you by the good people over there at fxr heavy d the man, the legend. We don't even have to say it's a myth because it's not. We already know you're a legend. 
<laughs> I appreciate that, man. <laughs> so she um had any um any plans to do some uh, local stuff coming up, like Silver Valley and Halloween Bash? Oh, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna be out at Silver Valley for sure. I'm not sure on Halloween Bash yet, but um, this weekend coming up, I'm gonna go down to Muddy Creek and um and run that Top Gun showdown, that bird thing they got going on down there, and then the weekend after that, definitely going to Silver Valley for sure. Oh, oh so you gonna race the two stroke? Nah, I don't know. I'm trying. Honestly, I'm trying to find one. So I mean, if if anybody's got a loaner that you can think of, I'm looking for one. Trying to get out there and race for that money. Oh, dude, I gotta see if I can find somebody. We need so we can uh, everybody can witness the Ashley Silver. Oh come on! You had to you had to go on to go on with that. <laughs> what's the backstory uh, behind that, Heavy D? What's the what's the backstory? <laughs> so. Well, I think it was okay. The very first Silver Valley Pro shootout. All right, Maddie's there, and you know, like the big triple down the hill. So then he's like going down the big trip, like hitting the big triple down the hill, throwing whips off of it. And I was like, dude, you're insane! Like, what? <laughs> I was like, dude, like, what possesses you to want to whip downhill? And I mean, like, a couple times he like pitched it out there. And it was like, to him, it wasn't a panic because he played it off smoothly. Like, that's why I say, that's why I call it the Because when he, when he does it, he'll pull one out there. And when he does, he sticks his ass out. So that's why I started calling him Ashley Silva. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. And so I was like, dude, he was like, he said, in the race, he said, if I get a whole shot, he said, I won't do that. Like, I was like, ah, yeah, I'll bet you you will. And he, God forbid, he rips the whole shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he yanks it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude. I mean, when he yanks it, all you hear is that four fifty. And it was like he was pitched out there, and you know, like if you stand at the top when they fall out of sight, and all you see was ass, and he just fell out of sight. That oh man! It. So I was like sticking. <laughs> so like. Every time I Snapchat his name on my Snapchat is Ashley Silver. That's I was like, awesome. I was like, dude, of course he rips the whole shot. And he comes by and he yanks one going down the hill. I was like, golly. And that's a big jump going Eric. down the hill, too. Dude, oh, my gosh. Like, I was asking several. I was like, Jamal and Jed. I was like, boy, y'all pulling that thing. Jamal was like, no, I'm not. I'm hitting that thing straight as an arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Man, the first lap, the first lap of the pro shootout, that was, I'll come clean with you, Heavy. That was full panic mode. Like, (laughs) that was was full, full panic mode. So he admitted it. He finally admitted it. I admitted it, man. Like, I come out of there, like, I got the start. And, like, you got to think, man, like, I got some heavy hitters behind me, dog. And I'm coming around. <laughs> I'm already in full panic mode, dude. Like, I'm out front. And then I see you out the corner of my eye. And I'm like, I got to give him something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cranked this thing out there. Like, first thing I thought, it was I was, like, way too deep. <laughs> oh man dude it was funny because i he pulled the whole shot right he comes over the first hill he hits the step up over and he looks back and he instantly looked back straight like he didn't even let it set in he was like 
Oh hell no! I gotta go. Like it's about time. I got to get up out. <laughs> and the oh. first thing he does is yank that thing. I mean, he cranked out of here, and oh. I was like, God, it. That's where a- Ashley or uh, Ashley Ashley Silva comes Ashley. from. There you go. Oh, that's awesome. That is hilarious. Oh, man, if that if that starts to stick, and I show up to the racetrack. <laughs> There's nothing People funny. are hollering that at me, man. I'm like, I'm like, yo, what are you saying? And his was funny. Uh, Rob Bell, like, he won that first moto, right? And he goes and does the interview with Zach Heron. And I don't think he knew it was Maddie at the time. He was like, dude, I don't know. But whoever that dude was that cranked it down the hill is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, they give respect, bro. He went by me so fast, man. He passed me like two turns later, and I think he was in a rush. I might have scared him a little bit. (laughs) He was like, did you see that dude crank it down the hill? I was was laughing, dude. (laughs) Oh, man, that's good, man. My my stomach hurts, man. That's that's awesome. At least we know the backstory behind that. Oh, man. Getting back on track here a little bit. Um. You go to just about every NCMX race throughout the year, even before your FXR yeah. rep deal. Uh, talk to us about how yeah. important the local NCMX races are for you and what keeps bringing you back to the local scene uh, races there at NCMX. Man, you can't beat the local scene. Right? I mean, even from – so, like, I mean, I'm from, yeah. I'm from the north – I'm from the northeast. And, I mean, even up there, the local scene is crazy. You know, you got guys out there that – you know, whether they're 80 riders or they're novice riders or they're pro guys, I mean, everybody always runs out, you know, to the local races. I mean, just to have like a fun, just to have a fun Sunday. Right. And I mean, for me, when I go out to those races, you know, it's cool because we got, I have the whole training gig going on now. And, um, you know, you get to see the kids that you coach out there racing, doing their thing and cheering them on, giving pep talks or whatever it is. Right. But at the same time, man, like, when I show up to a local race, like, it's just fun, dude. Like, you show up, there ain't no pressure. Like, you know, everybody's a homie to you. Like, you know, we're up there on the expert gate, man, and we're just, like, we're just talking like normal people, not like we're about to go try and rip each other's heads off. Right. You know, but still, like, we're up there talking, just, you know, hanging out on the gate. And, I mean, it's just a good atmosphere, I think. And, you know, definitely laid back and – I mean, it's definitely it's definitely special to me. I love going up there on Sunday. There wouldn't be anything else I'd rather be doing on a Sunday than, you know, racing my dirt bike at a local race. That's right. And uh, you had Trevin Nelson, who came up from Club MX, riding that Muckoff FXR Club MX bike, and uh, you helped him out on the gate. Did he come up there all by himself just to race? Like, he didn't have anybody with him? Was it just him? It was just him. And, like, let, let me tell you something, man. Like, he rolled in there in, like, this beat-up, Chevy van that kind of like I thought my van was beat I saw that boy's van he's gonna get mad at me I saw that boy's van man I was like god I'm like who is that and that ragged out Chevy pulls a club bike out of the back I'm like that's Trevin I'm like what the I went up up over there and I was was just talking to him because me and him raced each other up at, at Windy Hill a couple weeks back yeah and I was just talking to him. I asked him, I was like, man, I said, you got any, anybody with you? Or, you know, you just up here. And he kind of said the same thing as me. He's like, no, man, I just, 
you know, I just wanted to come race, you know, just come race a local race. And I think kind of my outlook on it is the same as him. You know, it's no pressure. You just go out on Sunday, have fun racing your dirt bike. Yeah, and, and that's, um, that's what we talked about on the podium. And, you know, you were right there helping him out and, and there with him. And, yeah, that's exactly what he said, you know, because I asked him because he does a lot of these local NCMX races, whether it be Windy Hill, Devil's Ridge, or any of the other ones, you know, the North Carolina State Championship, you know, he's a professional rider now, you know, and he did his yeah. first pro national at Ironman this year and put in two great results, two great motos, and he's still thinking about where's the next local race where I can go and get some gate drops. And there's nothing better than that, right? No, there's not. I mean, and when you're out there and when you're racing with these guys on the weekend, like, that's the fun part for it. Like, that's what keeps it fun. And especially, I mean, for somebody like him, like, you got to think being a club, you know, he's training all week long. And then when it comes time for the weekend, like, yeah, you want to go out, blow off some steam and have some fun. Like, his way of doing that is heading out to a local race and racing these guys on Sunday. You know, it's just, it's fun. No pressure at all. Just, you know, go out there, hang it out, let it rip, and just you know, have a good time. Oh, that's awesome. And you had the factory ride goggles from FXR this weekend. I got the hold some this weekend and i tell you what they are awesome the lenses uh, are so easy to unclip put your new lens in and clip it right on talk to us about those brand new uh factory rod goggles that you had this weekend so yeah those things are those things are unreal so the factory ride goggles um they're actually produced by um x brand which is the same brand of goggles that i wear yep and I've been wearing those goggles since I, man, I think since I was like 12 years old. Wow. I've been wearing those goggles. And um, they've obviously come out with new lines and, and here and there. But um, those ones, those goggles are kind of like uh, the Lucid goggles that x Brand produces now. Right. And um, I get, they're making them for FXR and um, call them the factory ride goggles. And those things are super cool. Super, like you said, super easy to change the lenses. And even with the factory ride colors, like, they got some crazy colorways, man, that just look super cool. They stand out. And um, everything about them from the way they from the way they fit on your face, fit in your helmet, like, you can't beat them. And even there was people that, you know, same thing. They held them in their hands. And, that, that, man, like, these things are insane. Even people that run them, you know, say Trevin, for example, you know, you run those. And, I mean, everybody tell you the exact same thing, man. Everybody that's tried them has loved them. So, um, I mean, if you're in the if you're in the market for some, I definitely suggest trying them out. And, um, I mean, if you want to grab yourself a couple pairs, I'm the guy. Hit me up. Let me know. Yeah, no kidding. The Imperative MX podcast, episode number 28, with the FXR rep to the local North Carolina area, Matty Silva. Heavy D? Dude, I honestly, like, genuinely, they could have picked a, a better person to be a rep. I agree. Especially here on the East Coast. Like, because, like, honest to God, like, I've never been to a race and seen Maddie frown, ever. Right. Like, he's probably the happiest, like, person that's, like, legit excited to be at the track and be around dirt bikes mm -hmm. at the track. Like, even if he comes off from a moto, if it's bad, good. Honestly, I don't even think he considers a, a – if he – he probably don't even know what a bad moto is <laughs> because I've never seen a man come off the track. Just smiling from, <laughs> from ear to ear all the time, man. It was just like this weekend when he came up. and Actually, he called me on Thursday and let me know the breaking news of uh, him being the FXR rep, and I was thinking the same thing that you just said, mirroring exactly what you said, Heavy D. They couldn't have picked a better person for the local North Carolina FXR rep for sure. Oh, dude. 
Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I love, like, of course, like, I mean, everybody has the different reasons there at the track. Of course, we all are there because we love it ultimately. But, I mean, you also got a lot of people that's there. They want to do good. They want to give 100%, you know, go on the track safe, but also come off safe and have the results they want. Like, I feel like for Maddie, it's just like, as long as he comes off the track in one piece, he's happy. He don't care how he does. He's out there having fun. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like, that's what I like being around. And I feel like that prevails to the public eye. Like, that's how you can, you know, sell a product, move a product, get somebody to try a new product up. If they didn't, like, especially someone who isn't keen to try a new product, if you have somebody like Maddie that's just like, Oh well, this dude's convincing. I'll try it. That's what you need, right? I mean, that's what you want. You know, you want somebody that's a people person, and, and especially good with the kids. Like, like you know, earlier this year when him and Sam was doing the classes, like man, I loved how that they was doing that at each track, and you could tell like it was it honestly showed, especially towards the NCMX series. Like, I thought that was super awesome. So, dude, you've been a rep at FXR. I love it, dude. I'm pumped for you. Like, congrats, man. Oh man, I appreciate it, boys. You see what he's doing there, Zach? He tried to be mean to me before, and now he's trying to make up. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he does here on the podcast. He'll throw you a little jab, and then he'll try to reel (laughs) it back in a little bit. (laughs) Throw me a curveball, man. I don't know whether to be like, you know, happy or like mad at him. Hey, I got to have you wearing 50-50 on the fence and see how we going to come out of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it, boys. Man, um, so I know we talked about it a little bit, and we've been talking about it, but let the listeners know exactly what you'll be doing uh, for the F, uh, you know, being the FXR rep at the races and, um, tell you know, how, uh, you know, what you're going to do as, you know, when you're at the races and, and what exactly are you going to be doing at the races for the local North Carolina area? So really what I'm going to be doing is um, really my title for FXR is just a rider rep. So um, what I'll be doing is doing the same thing that I've been doing is just going to the local races and, um, and you know, showing up to race my dirt bike too. And um, what it's really going to be is I'm going to be kind of on the look, you know, for people that, you know, obviously have a good image, could represent the product well. And um, what we're going to have is we're going to have discount codes so um you know if you're if you're interested in being supported by fxr obviously you come up and talk to me whether it's whether you shoot me a dm on instagram during the week or you come to the track at the weekend on the weekends you know just come up and sit down you know we can talk about the program that fxr has got and what you know we're willing to offer and everything like that so we're gonna have um i don't think i'm gonna have gear just yet but um what i will have is i'll have goggles you know, all the way up through the season, and we'll just keep on, you know, reading up on those. So, um, obviously, if you're at the track and you're interested in the market for some goggles to wear with FXR, like, absolutely come up. Let me know. You know, you can take a look at them, hold them. And if you want to grab a couple sets, I'll have a bunch of colorways there. And uh, if you're interested in being a um, sponsor rider through FXR, best gear on the market, man, you just let me know. We can, uh, we can definitely set something up for sure. That's awesome, and I'm guessing in 2024 you're probably going to have your own little <clears throat> vending area where you'll be able to have displays of the gear and helmets and um, you know everything else that they that they cover for the uh, moto scene. If I had to guess, correct? 
Yeah, so I'm going to try and work some out with Andy and, um, you know, possibly get some sample sets of gear out there and um, and whatever it may be, whatever they're willing to do. So um, we definitely want to get the product out there and have the brand displayed. You know, it's definitely – it's already out there, but, you know, we want to, we want to be able to push that stuff out and have a um, – obviously have a positive image for the brand. So that's what we're looking to do. Oh, dude, i tell you somebody. I, I guarantee you Zach will agree with me. A kid that y'all definitely – I feel like should help push the brand on the local scene. Honestly, I think it would be beyond local scene. He's a good kid, Cam Smith. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he he, does, he does you, a you lot know, for the, Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was uh his uh his grandparents brought me some cake because it was his birthday fifteenth uh, birthday. So happy birthday to Cam Smith uh for this weekend. But man, I tell you what, that's a good kid right there, Maddie. Dude, he is Absolutely. an awesome kid. And like yeah. I know a, a lot of companies like they they push for like fast riders that are on like the national scene, but like far as image wise and also like Cam is a kid man like that is a fantastic kid like I would have him push a product any day. Absolutely, and I've actually I've had the I've had the pleasure of being able to work with Cam and train with him at a couple of my training camps and. I mean, I can't tell you the kids. I mean, kids always listen. You know, you pull him over to tell you something. He's in, like he's engaging with you. He's listening to you. And I mean, above all else, man, that kid tries his best. So, um, oh, 100%. that is absolutely, absolutely great kid. And I mean, I don't think I honestly don't think I've ever been to an NCMX race and haven't heard something positive about Cam Smith. I mean, that kid's name is always out there, and apps, I completely agree. Like, that's a, that's a great kid to push the brand for sure. Yeah, and he does a lot for his local community as well. I, I was hearing that, th- that they've given out, like, a bunch of computers to kids in needs and, um, you know, that need those type of things. So community-wise and motocross local scene wise that's a really good kid right there and i'm sure he'll be super excited to hear that we talked about him here on the podcast because he truly is a great kid to have and man there's a lot of uh people that really really enjoy his company and uh his grandparents company at the racetrack for sure absolutely man heavy d any final questions oh dude i'm just i'm stoked for my guy like uh I don't know. We I don't know if we still on the fifty fifty fence or not, but I feel like we. Uh... <laughs> Y'all might need to hug it out. Y'all might need to hug it out. <laughs> I, I think we can hug it out and uh, see if he can yank one up the hill this year at Silver Valley instead of down the hill. Yeah. Oh, we got that. I'll be looking for you. I promise. <laughs> oh, hey man, I'll be I'll be announcing. So so uh, Ash, Ashley is going to be out there. That's for that's for sure. And uh, man, it's going to be a great time. I'll see you at the. Silver Valley MX uh, AB shootout, the local national around the North Carolina scene. And, man, I tell you what, it is awesome to have you here, awesome to have you as a FXR brand representative as they've helped me out and Imperative MX uh, along the way. So I'm sure that we'll be talking a lot throughout the uh, the next couple of years as long as you're with FXR, which I'm sure you will be. There's no other, like Heavy D said, there is no other better person to have than you for the – uh, local scene for their FXR with their great gear. So make sure to go and check them out, fxrracing.com, or find Maddie at the local North Carolina races or at any of the other local races that he'll go to. And Maddie, I tell you what, appreciate you coming on to the podcast and have a good night. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys having me.
Yeah, man, not a problem. We'll see you later. All right, we'll see you guys. All right, bye. See you. And that was Maddie Silva, the brand new FXR representative to the local scene area. And I tell you what, like I said, there was no, there is no other better person to have behind the FXR brand than Mr. Maddie Silva. No, oh, no, dude, that's he, he. He's the one, man. I'm telling you, like that's as a brand representative and brand ambassador and somebody you want pushing your company. I feel like Maddie. Is the one like he's 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 consistently positive. That's right. He's like, and, I, like I said, he's smiling from ear to ear all the time. I don't think you were right. There is not a time where he comes <laughs> off the track and he's got a grin or he's got or I mean not a grin but like a frown you know frowny face on or or whatever the case may be. He's not throwing stuff. He's just happy to be there, man. He's just he's just high on life, man. Oh, dude, that's exactly that's what I'm saying. It's like, man. That's what it's all about, the, the local scene. That's why I like – even – I wish a lot more riders, especially top riders, you know, I feel like it would help them out so much. Like, get back to a local – don't – come and have fun. Come race to, to, with some locals. Like, uh, like you, you got locals, yeah, they, they, they want to do good. They're competitive. But, dude, think about the local scene. Like, you go to any local race. Like, dude, I've been to so many and, like, Dude, the riders, kids, they come off, they're, they're fist bumping each other, they're pumped, they had a good race, like, they had fun. Like, dude, that's what it's all about. Like, you you want that atmosphere, and you, you want, like, like I said, you want somebody to help push that local scene positivity. Like, dude, it's a big family. We're here to have fun. It's a great track, great race, and a lot of great people, like, your friends, family. Like, keep that positivity. Keep that consistency of of that there, and that's that's why I feel like he's the perfect one for it, man. He he's consistently positive. No, that is uh, without a doubt for sure. He is a great person to to have and be at the local uh, races for sure. He's one of my favorite people to talk to on the race weekends for sure. And uh, you know, within the last couple of years, we've got to know each other, and now we're probably going to be talking on a weekly basis because he's going to help me out with some uh, FXR stuff, and I'm sure we're going to have a bunch planned uh, for the upcoming. Uh, year in 24 uh through fxr and maddie himself so um congrats on his new gig for that fxr representative to the local scene and man he's going to do a great job at it because he is a good mentor to have around the local north carolina area and all of the local races here on the southeast so uh, mika metal they strive to be the leader in product quality their bars are constructed of 6061 aerospace <laughs> aluminum and have the unique design that allows them to retain maximum strength while still having the flex riders desire. Mika sprockets are made from 7075 aerospace aluminum, the highest standard in the industry. Their unique tooth design maximizes wear and lets you ride longer. And of course, their bars are absolutely phenomenal. Have a set on my Suzuki that I, that I rode this weekend out at NCMP, and I tell you what, man, the flex is is none other that i've tried so make sure to go and check out mikametals.com check out their inventory and see for yourself handlebars sprockets tie downs chains sprays front and back brake pads and much much more so make sure to go and check them out at mikametals.com and appreciate them being a part of the imperative mx podcast hydropower hydropower is formulated by a sports nutritionist himself to help you eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster 
without getting that gnarly arm pump that seems to uh, get all of us out there on the track. So go and check out drinkhydropower.com to get your Blue Raz today or any of the other flavors that they have now up on their website. You can go and check out the reviews on their website. And I tell you what, man, there's a lot of five stars there because the stuff truly works. So the link is in the description of this podcast for 10% off of your purchase of any HydroPower products. Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. For over 10 years, they've designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high-quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. The awesome graphics and decals are utilized by professionals and weekend warriors alike. The highly acclaimed design team is well-equipped to help you guys get the look you want in a short amount of time. The design team provides itself on creative collaboration. They not, on, they not only offer superior quality decals and top-notch designs, but of course at an affordable price for any budget. So use the code IMPERATIVEMX, all caps, no space, for 20% off to save you money on your next purchase from Dirt Industries, custom graphics, helmet wraps, banners, license plates, and much, much more. PR Motorsports, your newest trackside support trailer at the local NCMX races. They make sure you riders get on the gate and continue racing each weekend. If you need anything, make sure to find their support trailer at the races from tires to engine fixes. PR Motorsports is your trackside support rig for the surrounding area and states. Make sure to find them on social media. And thanks to Charlie Fords and Justin Kendrick for all of their help with everyone at the local motocross races here at our local races. And right now, speaking of local, let's get fellow North Carolina native and Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing's Jordan Smith on the line. Total Control Racing Suspension, Chad Newton, Arena Cross team for over 10 years. Of course, he knows his stuff from Luke Neese, Mike McDay, Tyler Bright, Josh Thomas, and so many other local legends throughout the years has used Total Control Racing Suspension. And we would like to thank Chad and the entire Total Control racing suspension company for coming on board for 2023 and you guys know that he keeps it really really local with that total control suspension so make sure you guys go and check out total control racing suspension.com or total control suspension.com and go get your suspension tuned up get your oil changed get your seals replaced and be comfortable on the bike and yeah go and contact chad for all of your suspension needs over there at total control and right now on the line, we have Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing's Jordan Smith. And, of course, he's a fellow North Carolina native himself. Jordan, appreciate you uh, coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Good to uh, be on as a fellow North Kakalakian. There you go. Let's uh, let's first start off with the Supercross campaign. Man, you had fourth overall in the uh, 250 Supercross East Championship this year and a handful of podiums battling up there at the front of the pack on that new team uh, Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing outside of Tampa and East Rutherford, of course. Uh, how was it overall for you and uh, with the new team? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was really good. Um, felt like uh, I kind of got back to my my old self, the way I was riding. Um, my speed actually uh, at times throughout the year felt maybe better than it ever has. Um, felt like I was really strong in the whoops compared to years past and stuff. So 
Um, there's a lot of positives to take away from it. Obviously, a couple of bad races with a mechanical in Tampa and then a missed main event in Detroit and then the, the mud race in New Jersey. Like, those are three that would have liked to have back, obviously. But, uh, but no, other than that, uh, the other races were really good. I felt like I got better and better throughout the year and uh, then just kind of, yeah, kept it rolling. No, that's awesome. And, of course, now that you have a little girl in the world, and actually me and Heavy were talking about this before the before the podcast, um, congrats to you and your wife on that. How's the life now with her uh, being at the races, and do you have a different perspective on things? Uh, talk to us about having having a little one now. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's a lot different, that's for sure, especially just, like, the travel to the races and all that stuff. It's, uh, man, it's so stressful now. It's like having just a kid and having – everything that like to travel with like making sure you got everything every weekend which my wife does most of that for me but uh yeah but yeah it's it's completely different but it's awesome i wouldn't change it for anything uh she's uh she's good it's really it's fun having her at the races because it's like you come back from a bad practice or bad race or something and and she just kind of cheers you up you know like makes you kind of forget about whatever just happened so yeah um no it's it's really good having her out there and uh and just living life with her it's it's amazing no that's awesome and uh man you got back to the pro motocross races this year for you this summer since uh 2019 so four years um i know you wanted to finish it out but unfortunate injury happened uh there after a couple of rounds but walk us through your comeback to the outdoors i'm sure it wasn't easy yeah man it was uh it was definitely uh tough i uh it's you know you can ride the practice tracks and stuff all you want around um around here where we train and uh it's just there's nothing like uh recreating the the racetracks you know nothing like whenever you get to those races and how they prep them and how rutted and gnarly they get um so it was definitely like you said it's been since 2019 and realistically it was really 2018 because 2019 only did like two rounds and i was already hurt entering i was just kind of limping through those two rounds so um yeah it's been it had been a long time and uh but i I, you know i felt like i had gotten better and better i put in a solid ride at thunder valley and uh and was feeling good i was actually having a lot of a lot of fun at the outdoors this year i was uh it was it was tough, but I, I was enjoying the the kind of grind and the struggle, you know, yeah. and enjoying getting better each weekend. And uh, you know, sometimes, at, like say like at some of the Supercross races this year, I would just be really frustrated with myself with mm-hmm. like, how I rode in the main or whatever. But in outdoors, like I always saw improvement each weekend and each time I went on the track. And so that was like fun to like. There was so much that I needed to work on. Like it sucks in the moment, but it was kind of fun at the same time to to kind of try and learn those things and and just i mean the speed's elevated since i was on outdoors you know four years ago and everything so trying to to learn it again and and be back in the battle was was a lot of fun i really wish that i would have got to finish it out but uh sprained wrist and thumb uh just kind of hampered that and then decided to just kind of get ready for uh for the last three playoff rounds yeah and uh Man, now you're down there at the uh, goat farm. I don't know if you've, uh, you know, ever been down there when Carmichael owned it or anything like that. What's it like now being at the goat farm with the entire crew? You guys got like 1,500 people down there, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, talk about yeah. the track, talk about the facility, man. I'm sure it's probably a, a privilege and an honor just to walk or just to drive through that gate every day. Yeah, no, it is for sure. It's uh, it's cool. It worked out really good for me. 
uh, signing with star because I already lived in the, in the area here right. in Cairo, Georgia. Yep. Um, since I was, I've, you know, trained at MTF for so long and, mm-hmm. uh, built a house here and stuff. And then, uh, just happened that that star moved right there down the road from us. So, yeah. um, that, you know, that was really my goal. Like even whenever I was on firepower there, uh, was to, you know, do good enough to try and, to try and get a ride with star and, uh, and it, it worked out. And so it's nice just being able to not have to pick up and move everything or anything like that and uh, be right down the road. And uh, yeah, believe it or not, you know, I had rode at Colleen's house, which is, you know, only a, about a mile away from the goat farm. Right. And I could hear the guys, you know, whenever Savachi would train out there and that kind of stuff ride there while we would be at Colleen's, but I had never ever stepped foot on the property until oh, wow. the first day I went out there with start. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, like you said, it's, it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to, to step foot on those grounds and, and just know the history of, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that the greatest of all time put into, uh, into his program and everything and, and kind of motivates you that, that little bit extra. And then, uh, on top of that, seeing, you know, what star racing has built out there with, you know, the shop and, and the tracks and everything, they just keep adding on out there. It's just crazy. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's top notch, top of the line. And so it's, uh, it's really cool to, to be a part of a part of all that for sure. That's awesome. The Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 28 with Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing's Jordan Smith, brought to you by Total Control Racing Suspension. Heavy D? My man, hunting grand. (laughs) Dude, it's been, God, it's been a while. I know we, like, snap every now and again, but, dude, I think the last time we actually, like, sat down and chilled and kicked it was, like, what, 2019? Yeah, probably at least, at least. <laughs> Dude, yeah. it's been a minute. It's been a while. Yes, sir. But like, so me, me and my dog, I've been one. I asked this at the time. I hadn't seen it even asked, but oh yeah, congratulations on the little girl as well. Thank I know you. I Thank got, you. Got, got, got to say that. But yep, you got a little one too, right? Yeah, little girl. I think she's yes, like sir. a month, month behind yours. Yeah, a month. Oh, okay. Yours. All right. Yeah. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? Oh, dude, it's it's awesome, man. It's I yeah. I'm telling you, it's a big change, but dude, it's like I, every day I come over work, I can't wait. It's like exactly. I love it. Yep. Seeing her grow, the new stuff, it's it's awesome, bro. Yep, yep. But um, yeah, like dude, no, like of course you rode Geico Honda for a long time, KTM, um, then went Pro Circuit. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was Pro Circuit, right? Yep, yep, yep. Then Firepower Honda, now Yamaha, and like you've always like done good, but it's like. I'm just kidding, like, what is what is the big difference to where, like, that? what is the difference in that Star Yamaha? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, from a, a bike standpoint, I mean, it, it's obviously really fast, and um, they. I feel like the bike that we're on now, um, uh, we're getting a new bike for next year, but uh, the, the bike that we've been on, is they've had it for a long time so it's been really good for a really long time you know um Mm -hmm. so i think that like say like whenever i was in the geico days or even tld days like i think that the star bike was like not i I don't know for sure because i never rode it back then but i think that it was not far off of like where it's at now they definitely made improvements um over the years they like brad and the guys at the shop are just constantly testing and improving everything but as far as like power and stuff goes like it was just so fast and so now i think over the last year or two some of the other teams have um 
made a couple strides. They've, they've had their bikes that they're on for a little bit longer. They've been able to do a little bit more R and D. So they've made some strides to get closer, but I mean, just it's the endless work that the team puts in, uh, Brad and, you know, the suspension guys and, and, and all the mechanics and stuff, you know, they, they work to death out there and, uh, it, it shows, I mean, just the bike's just unreal. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a whole package, you know? Now, do you like, cause I know like they just did the whole, like, you know, got to go farm and did a ton of work like that. Yep. That place is like picturesque. It's like, it's, yep. it's, it's legit. It do is. you feel like, I know cause I mean, even when you won like the Cali teams, you were still like in Cairo a pretty good bit. Um, probably besides testing, but do you feel like, say, them having everything there on site is a big plus rather than being on the West Coast having to go out to the track with a lot of the other public figures trying to do testing yeah. and get data? Do you feel it help? That's a big. That's a big help as well. Yeah, it, it is a big help, and not not even just like. Um, you know, not having to like, but like you said before, I always trained at MTF and Cairo and I would go out to California sometimes a month at a time, sometimes for just a few days or a week. Um, but I would definitely spend time out there to test. And then, so you, you do your testing, but even out there, like you still, the shop, like whatever you're going to test that day, they have to put it all in the box van, you know, go to the track, do all that stuff, you know, so they have to like say they they bring two sets of suspension for you to test that day. Um, it can be hard sometimes to uh, just on the fly, like if a, if the suspension test or something goes in a different direction than they were expecting, all the parts are back at the shop, you know? Obviously, right. the, the factory teams, they do a really good job of of not really getting in that situation too much, but, I mean, that's just one plus of, of being there at the goat farm everyone's there everything is there they do everything there you know so whatever we need is there like there's never a day like we never miss a, a moto or a day or anything because something breaks like it's all there we can test whatever we want and that's what i mean they're like they'll try whatever we want to try if it's if we think it's going to help help us win and, and that's what makes it really cool about about the team it's just like they're willing to do whatever it takes to win so it's really cool Heck yeah man that's that's awesome it's got to be a really big help having all of that you know on hand and you can come in and you can say well hey let's try this and you know you don't have to wait for the next day for that part to get there or to be delivered to you know wherever you're staying at like you said you were on you know pc and you're still doing stuff at mtf so i'm sure it is a big advantage for everybody on the team there yeah it is it is and it's also you know um which you can have this kind of go the other way sometimes, but, um, you know, whenever you test on say on the California tracks that you go to the test tracks out there, a lot of times they're really dry and hard packed. And, you know, sometimes it can be kind of hard to test on stuff like that, especially for supercross. Mm -hmm. Um, so then you, you know, you got there and spend a week and you think you have your bike dialed and then you come back and the first day you get back on the East coast and it's completely different dirt. And you're like, you're lost. You're like, dang, well, I wasted that week, you know, and now they're overnighting your suspension, you know? So it can definitely go the other way where you test here and you go to California and it doesn't work out there. But I I do feel like if a setting's going to work here on the softer, more rutted dirt, it normally work. It normally translate better to the West coast than a West coast setup translates to the East coast, in my opinion. So, um, and to, you know, we don't only have the, well, we have two, two supercross tracks at the farm. We also have a track at, 
um like we go and ride at mcf sometimes mm-hmm. for outdoors there's a couple other tracks that we ride so uh colleen's house has a supercross track so there's different places for us to ride and i think that that's one thing you know you're seeing as far as the the east coast setup deal is you know you're seeing so many more guys now train in florida and georgia and, and even north carolina at club and everything yeah. you know it's just so much more um so much more tilted towards the east coast than it used to be you know used to there was maybe ricky and james on the east coast and yeah. everyone else was back back west so now it's it's uh, probably, I would say, over half of the main contenders are on the East Coast now. I think that's just because of the tracks, the privacy, having everything there, you know? Yeah, and I was just about to say, it seems like a lot of the teams in the paddock, for sure, are making their way, um, you know, over to the East Coast for those reasons that you stated. And um, going back to SMX, which actually really wasn't that long ago, it feels just like yesterday, but, man, that was a <laughs> yeah. wild three rounds, and you – uh, ended up fifth overall at the end with a shot at winning at you know the whole damn thing after that first moto in uh, LA and of course I mean even under us you snuck underneath you know the radar from literally everyone and uh, what was kind of your goal going into to LA is that what you had in mind you were like man I actually really have a shot at this thing yeah I mean I you know I, I uh, had a really good Charlotte. Um, I rode uh, great there, like maybe the best I had rode all year up mm-hmm. until that point. Um, and I, uh, I was, I've been struggling with arm pump uh, during Supercross pretty bad, and I had started to figure some stuff out with it in outdoors before I got hurt. And uh, so that stuff kind of translated into SMX with kind of working on the same stuff I was during outdoors. And um, – so I was able to actually really push hard uh, for both motos in Charlotte. Got a little bit of arm pump in the first one, but um, but no, I rode really good. I just got a bad start in the first one, and uh, and you guys know how hard that track was to pass on. So oh, yeah. um, and then yeah. rode really good in the last one. Just couldn't make any passes. So um, and then Chicago really struggled there with like I, I didn't struggle at all with setup at at Charlotte, but then Chicago with it being more outdoors, we started with an outdoor setup and then. I actually was the only one on the team, but I ended up going back to my Supercross setup before the before the main events. And, you know, it wasn't ideal. Uh, Supercross setup wasn't there, but I just felt more comfortable with it. Right. Um, and so I kind of struggled a little bit there and was happy to get out of there with a sixth overall. I got, got a little bit lucky to get that sixth. But, um, and then I, I felt just because of the way I had felt at the first two, I really knew that LA was going to be good for me. Uh-huh. Um, with it being more of a supercross style track and stuff, I just really felt comfortable. And, uh, yeah, I was doing some of the math, like heading into it and stuff. And obviously with the triple points, it, it doesn't seem, you know, like even whenever you say triple points, it doesn't seem like much cause you think like three points, but whenever you look at it at a, a breakdown of from first to fourth or fifth place, that's a lot of points. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. um, I knew, I, I knew that, you know, going in, you know, it, it was it was unlikely for sure, but I knew that I could definitely make up some spots, and and I knew that if I went out there and I won the, and this was before um, before we knew that Hunter was out, but I knew that if I uh, if I went out and I say I won the overall, that I would probably end up in at least third overall, mm-hmm. and if things worked out right, I mean, the two fifty class is just so stacked. Like you could go out one week and and win. And then the next week you could go out and, and get fifth place pretty easily. You know, it's yeah. just, it was so sad. Yeah. And, uh, especially with it being kind of like east west shootouts every weekend, which, exactly. which I liked. Yeah. Um, 
So I kind of knew, especially going into the night show, like if I won and Hayden and, and Joe got fourth and fifth, um, that I would have a shot at it. It'd be really close. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's what I was trying to do and then came off and I won and I think Joe got fourth and, and, and Hayden got fifth. Yeah. So I was like, well, it's, it's close. I was – Pretty excited, but uh, yeah. but it, it was very short lived in the second motor. Yeah, that was unfortunate, um, for sure. But you know, it is racing and things do happen for sure. Um, but what? Yep. Uh, one question was, why SX suspension? Why did you go back to the Supercross suspension for Charlotte? Because yes, it was more of a moto track. Were you more comfortable on your Supercross suspension? Did you think that it was going to work in different sections? Kind of walk me through what your mindset was to go back to your supercross suspension because i didn't i didn't know that you went back to uh that for the main events yeah so um i don't think i was the only one in like i was the only one on our team that ran outdoor but i do think that sexton ran a supercross setup that was softened up Uh a bit and a couple other guys did too i believe um from what i heard and uh i just um you know, I spent obviously a lot more time on Supercross stuff throughout the year. Right. Um, I hadn't rode any outdoors uh, from the time that I came back from my injury okay. from outdoors. Okay. I had rode all Supercross, and so uh, the only outdoors I rode was that week heading up to Chicago. Okay. And um, we had we had played with some settings that I really liked at, at our outdoor track, but they were a little softer. And um, whenever we got there, just some of the sections with like the that wall in the middle of the um in the middle of the rollers like I was just bottoming out really bad there yeah and and some of the jumps like I felt like I had to be so perfect to not over jump or case because if I did I was just bottoming out really bad yeah and uh, I had just felt so comfortable at Charlotte that I was like man just I just could not get comfortable all day I was like let's just put the supercross suspension on like it might beat me to death, but I'll, I'll hang on to it and uh, do the best I can. So, right. um, yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I was happy with my decision. I think that I, I think that I made the right decision. I just wish that I would have made it a little bit earlier so that we could have played around and went softer. You know, I really yeah. needed, I think for, for me out there, I needed a supercross setup softened up a lot instead of a motocross stiffened up kind of deal you know yeah yeah. especially for some uh, of those jumps because you know that you would come up a little short we saw it actually in the super mini uh class that they would come up short and they would just you know kind of bounce right off right so that's probably one of the reasons as well um you know if you came up a little short yeah it it was yeah it was so high speed and like you had to come up to a lot of those jumps where you're like wide open into it and then you would almost break up the face and with the outdoor stuff like i was just bottoming out so bad like yeah. in the forks and the shock everything like even going over the tunnel right there like breaking into that and so uh i mean i was actually even bottoming out my supercross stuff on the tunnel uh yeah. so you can only imagine the difference <laughs> in that to, to outdoor stuff so oh, i just sure. i felt a lot more comfortable and and i was i was uncomfortable all day on that track i just did not deal with it very well so uh, I was just trying to find anything I could to to get me a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, no, for sure. And then uh, in Charlotte, uh, back to the NC area to race, and I'm sure the fans really enjoyed having you back, and I'm sure a bunch of people chatted uh, chatted some local stuff to you. Yeah, yeah, man, that was awesome. It's uh, it's been a long time since I uh, since I raced in North Carolina, really, because yeah. I mean, shoot, it's probably been since I was an amateur because we don't have any pro races in North Carolina anymore. So right. it's been a really long time, and uh, it, it was awesome to be back. It uh, it felt like you know that just 
normal red clay, you know, you go to any of the local East Bend or Daniels Ridge or even uh, I, I was talking to my dad, and I don't know if you guys went to Shelby Fair, Fairgrounds at all. Oh, yeah. As yeah. kids for yeah. the JMX stuff and, like, just the whole vibe of the way it was grandstands instead of, like, a stadium. Yeah. The whole vibe felt like a Shelby Fairgrounds race. You it know, just, just felt it like the same home. dirt. Yeah. It did, it did. It was cool. So, I mean, I was pumped. It was it was awesome to be back and, uh, and to ride as good as I did. Like, first race back, I was really excited. Yeah, no, it was really good. We were stuck in the press box that was right there at that right-hander before you hit the uh, triple coming out of the fin- – after the um, yep. Supercross rhythm. So, we couldn't really see much. Yep. But every, uh, every time you came around, man, I was cheering on the inside because I was like, man, he's really, <laughs> really moving. So, uh, and he looked really yep, good, you, you know, especially since your uh, first ride back from injury and all of that good stuff. But let's chat about your amateur uh, racing uh, for a minute in the North Carolina area for all of the listeners. Um, I know you raced at Muddy Creek, Sand Hills, Rolling Hills, just to name a few. And I remember seeing, hearing your name at that time. I was still young. You know, I'm 30, so you're not too far uh, behind me. But I know you went to MTF very early in your career. Uh, but for the listeners, what tracks did you begin riding at, and what were some of the memories you have of the local North Carolina uh, scene back when you started racing? Yeah, man. I uh, let's see. Well, I started out racing, um, like just in general, racing dirt bikes. Uh, I started out at the Mid East Hair Scrambles was uh, where I started. My uncle raced uh, four wheelers in the Hair Scramble series, and okay. uh, we didn't really know anything about motocross and uh started out at the hair scrambles and i think i was doing that for maybe about a year or so and um i asked my dad we we were going to uh i don't know if you guys remember but it was a track called andrews motorsports uh mark, mark andrews yeah yeah, yeah. Mike yeah. Andrews. Yeah. 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 i never <laughs> rode there but i heard a lot about it yeah 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 so oh, man it was a it was an awesome track and that was the first track i ever rode and uh motocross track wise and um yeah i uh i, I would go there and practice some and then uh i asked my dad if i could do some races and he's like no i think we're just gonna stick to the woods <laughs> uh, i eventually talked him into it and uh our first race was um was at um shelby fairgrounds nice. pulled in had no idea what to do <laughs> and uh we pulled in and we had uh michael jennings dad was uh he's like you guys look lost and we're like yeah we are <laughs> and uh, yeah. he helped us out kind of pointed us to the right direction and helped us out for the weekend and uh yeah that's where i started out uh probably until i was about i would say seven or eight years old from the time i was like like probably five uh four or five probably five six seven years old um i was doing the the jmx series on saturday so we'd race at uh at shelby it would alternate between shelby top gun and parker valley yeah um and so i would do that on saturday and then we would drive through the night normally or, or not necessarily through the night but we would either pack up and drive to the the mid-east race uh the hair scramble on sunday morning or we'd go home and then leave that morning to head there. So I'd race Saturday night, JMX, and then Sunday morning, Mid-East. Um, and then my dad's like, man, we got to pick one or the other here. And then I, uh, I ended up choosing motocross. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just started doing – I was doing all the JMX stuff, and then, you know, we, we would do some of the, like, ultra mega series whenever they would come, like, to Top Gun and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then someone told my dad, like, man, uh, you guys should try for Loretta's. And 
we had no idea what that was. And so we did our first Loretta qualifier at Parker Valley. I uh, nice. still remember doing it. Yeah. Uh, did not qualify, did not qualify. I, I, uh, I crashed and, and got burnt my, by my pipe on my KTM 50. Oh, no. Still have the scar on my arm from that one. Oh, wow. uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, but I do remember we actually packed up straight from there and drove to Top Gun and raced that night. So I raced the LL qualifier that morning at Parker Valley packed up and went to Top Gun and raced that That's night. That's awesome. So, uh, but yeah, man, it was, uh, and then from there, you know, then I started, I think I did minios that year, maybe the next year and then, uh, qualify for Loretta's the following year. And, uh, then after that, it just like really started taking off. I started doing a lot more, you know, going to muddy Creek and, and doing the bigger races around there. Uh, like you said, I went to rolling Hills, I think only one or two times, yeah. But did go up there. We did a lot of did a lot of riding at um, at Kathy's Creek and Sand Hills on on fifties and sixty fives. Yeah. Um, well, then I'm and all that I'm stuff. I've actually so. seen you at at, at Sand Hills because I used to go down there, and uh, that was when Osborne was on a KTM. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, we went down there quite a bit. It's right there, right in front of club now. So. Um, yep. But, yeah, yep. man, I, I do remember that. The Imperative MX Podcast episode number 28 with fellow North Carolina native Jordan Smith. Heavy D? Dude, speaking of local, like, that's funny because where I met Jordan was at East Bend. <laughs> East Bend, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. Local. That's what that's that's what I uh, meant to uh, – like, that's what I forgot to say was uh, whenever I started – we started doing motocross stuff and, and – uh, and we would race every Saturday and Sunday with JMX and then the hair scrambles. There's not that much time to practice. And we would actually, you know, I'm from the Belmont area. So, uh, East Bend is about an hour and a half away and all those tracks that you could practice. We do East Bend center road. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Daniels Ridge. So a lot of times we would hit like an East Bend on a Tuesday night and then, and then not be back. And I mean, I give props to my dad, especially now being a dad. But man, my dad just like he would leave work, come sit in the traffic on 77 on the way home. Oh no! <laughs> I would have everything ready to load up, and we'd get loaded up, head, sit back in the same traffic on the way to East Bend, <laughs> and oh. not get done till 10 o'clock at night. Come back, not get home till one o'clock. He'd get up at five and go to work the next morning. I mean, I just. I can't imagine doing Dude, that now, you know. I but kid he was you not. Yeah. Like, no joke. Honest to God's truth, they would not, like, because we, we did the same thing. They would not leave until Travis turned the lights off. They right. would stay till 10, 10 o'clock at night. Every <laughs> yep. time. Yep. I'm talking about yep. that 85 Suzuki would be singing out there. <laughs> yeah, but, man, like, Yeah, so it was uh, – it was good. I, I mean, I every single Tuesday and Thursday night we'd hit. You know, normally it'd be East Bend and then either East Bend or Daniel's Ridge or Center Road or somewhere. You know, we'd just be hitting all those tracks and we did a lot of rides uh, with Cody Griffin. Uh, I know, him, yeah. Yeah, I know you know him. I don't know. If you yeah, know him, Zach. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've a, heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did a lot of a lot of the local stuff with him. Um, we we just we traveled everywhere together and did everything so yeah it was uh man it was good times that's for sure yeah you gotta Dude. definitely give it up to the dads and because my dad did the same thing man we you know i lived in virginia and my dad lived in uh north carolina so we would meet halfway and you know he would get done with work on friday and my mom would drive me from here down to there and then we would leave from there go to the track and then you know it, it was a lot for the dads and we definitely kind of <laughs> give it up to them they're like the unsung heroes oh. of uh, of our careers <laughs> for sure absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely Bro, yes like, 
I think I let me get let me get I think this year is right. I'm pretty sure it is. But that year because they like again, shout out like the whole family, like it was a, like a serious effort, like mm-hmm. with your brothers and, and him racing, yep. like dude, I remember because it, I think it was that year. Oh, what was that? It may have been oh wait. It was between oh seven and oh nine. I can't remember which one. I think it was oh seven or oh eight. Because I remember his dad, they would come out. He would practice to 85. Kids, you, mind you, a lot, I don't think a lot of people know this. I, I didn't even know he had a 65 at the time. That year, <laughs> he rode an 85. It was a big wheel. It might have, it was, it might have been a super mini. Because I think <laughs> you were nine at the time. He was ripping a super mini. Went to minios that year. Raced every 65 class and all the small wheel 85 classes. And then after that, like I think he won, you won like Two or three titles at many of them. I can't exactly yeah. remember. Yeah, I won on the 65 that year. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then he got a ride after that. And then after that, he went to MTF. Yeah. Well, I had, fast, I had huh? went to MTF. I had, yeah, I had went to MTF right before. Well, many of Before that. Yeah. Like I had been there for almost a year whenever I, because I won my first ever title at uh, Lake Whitney that year on 65. And right, uh, right. I had actually, you're right. I was pretty much given up on the 65 um that year i was just gonna ride the 85 i was pretty big on the 65 and i didn't like it at all and uh whenever i went to mtf i raced it at many o's i didn't win anything um and then i raced some of the winter am races down in florida and i just hated the 65 and i told my dad i'm not riding it anymore and uh, Colleen was like, yeah, no, you're riding it. And uh, <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, I ended up winning a uh, title at Minia at uh, Lake Whitney. And then I almost won Loretta's on it, but I threw it away in the second moto. I think I went like 131-1 or something like that. And then uh, and then I did – I won like two or three titles at Minio's that year. And, uh, yeah, that was one of the best things that happened was staying, me staying on that 65. I was a giant on it, but it, it taught me oh. how to – I mean, just for any – for any uh, any kids out there, any dads, I mean, it just it teaches you to just ride the ride the brakes off of it, you know, just ride it hard whenever you're that big on a bike, and, and it really translates good whenever you get onto bigger bikes. Yeah. The reason I remember that, like, you can't even find the, the results for that in archives right now because when Olympic <laughs> sports changed, I remember yep. that because I remember my dad saying that kid. He said, "Watch, he's gonna be on TV getting wins and all kinds of stuff." He said he'll be a big thing one day. I was like, yeah, because, dude, watching him ride a Super Mini that young was insane. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying it, just like, I remember, like, the late nights, the big triple East Bend before they toned it down. Yeah. It was a massive triple in the middle of the oh, track. Oh, it was a Super and cross triple, was, literally. Yes, it was insane. <laughs> and, dude, like, literally when you pulled in, you could, like, you, I was like, okay, that's Jordan. That is definitely, you didn't even have to see him. You can just hear the bike on the track. <laughs> that, the echo. Oh, I've always there. been a rever. That's for sure. I've always been a rever. <laughs> Dude, the echo on that Super Mini was stupid. Like the yeah. sound of that thing was epic. Oh yeah. Oh, and my, yeah. Especially whenever I got onto the fair and the fair and PR2 team. Oh uh, yeah. They put that four stroke packing in there, and that thing would that thing barked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. dude, that was. Woo, 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 woo. I was like, golly. Nothing like a good sound <laughs> of a super mini, that's for sure. And honestly, oh, my, sure. there's no better sound than that. Right. And I was actually at the North Carolina State Championship at NCMP uh, this past weekend, and. 
that's one of my favorite classes to watch, and I'm I'm announcing it, and I I said it probably way too much, but dude, I'm telling you, that super mini class and just hearing those bikes are some of the best sounds in the world, um, for it sure. Is. But one of my one of my questions I was gonna have, but I, but you pretty much already answered this, and I kind of knew it in the back of my head with you going to MTF, but there wasn't really. I was going back through some of the results, and you can only see a handful um, back on the rider search on AMA, but. Um, you didn't do too many D29, D13 races. Is that just because, um, you know, you were going to the bigger races with uh, the amateur nationals and going more towards, like, the victory sports since that's a little bit bigger? Um, I know you did a handful of them, and, I mean, you were in that age group with, like, Cooper Webb, Matt Burkeen, Keith Tucker, just to name a few of some of the locals that you had to race against. And, actually, I talked to Burkeen uh last week and i was like man i'm gonna have jordan on the pod and i showed him a result from uh i think it was iron city where you and him went back and forth <laughs> uh multiple multiple times uh is that pretty much the reason because you moved down to mtf at such a young age and uh traveling and all of that was was a big pain and and you just wanted to hit a lot of the amateur nationals just wonder why you didn't do too many d29 or d13 up in virginia yeah, um, no, it was definitely, you know, I moved to MTF whenever I was, I believe, about 10, 11 years old, I okay, think. Okay, okay. Um, so I definitely did some before that, but uh, we were kind of, we would pick and choose with the races we were doing with, right. I mean, we had minios, we had, we were going, at that time, we were already going to uh, Texas for for Lake Whitney and then uh, I can't remember when I started doing Lake Whitney and Oak Hill and then we do all the qualifiers and, and the regionals for Loretta's so yeah. that was like our main goal and then um, I would just kind of hit the the D29 races that, that we could right um, and all that stuff uh, and then you know we I mean obviously like being in Charlotte uh, a little bit further away from like a lot of those m more north you know, uh, Devil's Ridge, all that stuff, right. uh, even like Birch Creek, like a few hours away. So, yeah. so just a little bit more of a haul. So I did a lot more of the racing, at, you know, around around the house, Top Gun, Parker Valley, uh, Iron City once it opened up. Like we would go to Iron City quite a bit. That was pretty close to my house. So right. um, we'd go there quite a bit and practice. Uh, we'd go to Trick Tank as well Yeah. Um, and yep. practice a good bit during the week uh, whenever the Master Pools owned it there for a little bit. Or right. not owned it, but were, um, were, were helping out with the track and all that. Yep. Um, so And then, yeah, once I moved down to MPF, it's just – such a haul you know like for the most part i was just down there yeah um and i would hit you know a lot of the winter am stuff uh down here in florida uh and you know once you move down there it was more of you know definitely a big focus on the nationals right, you know right. and then uh with my dad being so far away if we wanted to go race from there um a lot of times it would just be uh my mom taking me to race uh so which which was fine like we did we did a lot of racing down there but it would yeah it was just a lot harder for me to come up to north carolina to do those races at that point you know i, I would still do them like if i was at home for a couple of weeks or yeah, whatever yeah but it just didn't happen i just stayed down there a lot more than what we were actually originally expecting i mean we didn't even really know what to expect whenever we went down mtf it was like <laughs> my, my mom and dad were like uh yeah so we'll just uh we're gonna talk to a school and see if they'll let him out for like one week out of the month every month if he's because i had pretty good grades and stuff and they're like we'll see if they'll let him out for one week of the month 
And then that, that week he'll come down to MTF and train for that week. Right. And Colleen's like, uh, I don't know oh. if like you guys understand like <laughs> what this is. This is more of like a, a full time, you right, know, right. like a full time thing. And, and they're like, Oh, okay. You know? And then, yeah. and then once they like understood it, I, they, yeah, they pulled me out of school like the next day and, and headed down there, which is great. I mean, at, like I said earlier, as a dad now, like I can't imagine that, you know, but, but they did it and and man it was it's really cool looking back on it that it all worked out yeah oh y'all had the program figured out yeah and that was pretty much when mtf really got started i actually went down there in 08 um and uh first time i met pat and zero was down there uh i did like a two-week camp down there and uh really learned a lot from brian and colleen and uh everybody else and i got to see you uh, ride there I think a couple a handful of times maybe uh, but I think you were traveling for certain stuff but um, yeah man it was it was awesome and it was good for it's good for the listeners to know uh, kind of why you know you are from that North Carolina area and didn't hit some of the D29 D13 races and it makes sense right so um, but now yep. you're in the off season uh, before the Supercross grind for 2024 and um, you know you got another year um with the Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing Team. And uh, I know you're really into cornhole. You have tournaments uh, on, you know, Tuesday nights and that sort of thing. Talk to me about what else yeah. What else you do in your off season. I know now you got a baby, so I'm sure you're, you're focused in a lot about uh, on that. But what do you normally do in your off season to kind of, you know, relax before the actual true Supercross grind starts? Yeah, it's uh, it's hard, you know. I mean, it's like we don't get very much off season. Right. It's, uh, it, it, you know, it's considered off season, but it really isn't. Yeah. Uh, it's, I was just talking to someone the other day and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, we like us this year, we have a new bike coming out. So we don't want to get started working on that too late as far as, you know, settings and testing, that kind of stuff goes. Cause you want to be as prepared as you can heading into the season. And then it's also our sport is so fitness based that every day you take off is another day that you have to work that much harder to get it back you know whenever you do start back training so um yeah we've actually already uh started back uh doing some training stuff off the bike and getting on the bike again pretty soon but um yeah i mean i I try to take uh as much time as i can uh during the off season to kind of do some fun stuff like you said i I play some cornhole gotten into that big time i mean i've always played a lot of cornhole but i started hitting some tournaments and stuff uh, a couple years ago and now I run my own tournament at the local pizza place here in Cairo and nice. uh, have some good turnouts there. And uh, other than that, you know, it's kind of hunting season. So getting, getting ready to start trying to get out there. And it's just started cooling off down here. So yep. uh, trying to hit the stand a few times. And uh, I, I like to, I mean, really what I enjoy doing the most is, uh, is playing golf. It's, it's a lot harder now with a kid and doing all the training and stuff to, to find those four or five hours that you need to go hit the links. But, uh, right. but I, I really enjoy golf and I, I just, uh, we went on a little golf trip after, after LA went to St. George and played a few rounds of golf and that was a lot of fun, hit it pretty good and came back and actually played it, played around yesterday and, and hit it good again. So it's, it's a lot more fun whenever you're hitting it good too. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, uh, it's always good when you're doing that. And actually, uh, believe it or not, heavy D you might not even know this. I played for my high school, uh, golf uh, team, whatever they call it, for uh, a handful of years. But, man, I haven't swung a golf club in uh, 
in quite a while. You golf? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I did golf. I golfed for a while, and I played tennis, and I was on the tennis team. But the only reason I did tennis was my stepmom was a semi-professional, so she was a coach. Uh, but it was also really good for endurance, uh, endurance-wise, yeah. running around a lot. So um, I definitely oh, yeah. could hit a grand slam with a ball, but it was hard to keep it in the box, that's for sure. But I used it for <laughs> running for the most part just to keep my endurance up while – because uh, I went to public school all the way through, and um, Jim Neese yep. actually trained me, Jordan, for, geez, probably 12 years or so. I would stay at the three months that you would get off for summer. I'd stay right down at his house, so I got to know him and, and Luke real real early on, and, uh, man, he was a really good mentor and um, and all of that. But, you know, speaking, going back to a little bit of local racing uh, before we hop off here, uh, who is some of your local legends that you – that you watched growing up when you were getting started and, you know, kind of be, before you uh, full-time lived down at MTF, who were some of your local legend that, that you looked up to and loved to watch on the, on the race weekends growing up? Yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. I, you know, once I started going to, you know, the, some of the, the bigger local races, I guess you could call it. Um, I really, you know, I was a big fan of, of Osborne's. Yeah. Uh, I still remember going to M- M- Muddy Creek one time and, uh, him and a few other guys were, you know, obviously ripping and uh, went up and got his autograph. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I told him that story whenever we were battling for a championship in 2017. Oh, I went man. up and told him that story. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was still awesome. on a 50 awesome. and he was on a big bike. Yep. So. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, Osborne, uh, Stroop, obviously was a big fan of Stroop. Yeah. Um, you know, even like, even like uh, at some of the, the local races, I actually just saw him at uh, Charlotte. I uh, didn't recognize him. He saw me. He's like, you recognize me? And I was like, no, not really. I, I'm not going to lie. And it was uh, Tyler Clark. He used to oh, rip back in yeah. the day. Oh, yeah. dude. Two stroke. Nine, five, one, Two baby. stroke, dude. Nine, six, one. Yeah. You know, he would rip back in the day. So, oh, yes, he you did. Know, I, I mean, that was a lot of the a lot of the guys that I, I would, uh, you know, just sit there and, and watch on the fences and stuff. And, uh, you know, you used to watch uh, – Mike McDade, some yep. around the track, at some like I said, some of the bigger, you know, the the mega and the ultra series races, D twenty nine races, absolutely. So yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool though. Just like in in that time that we grew up, like you know, from our age and and older, and and you know, even some a little bit younger, but there was so many. Like you just never knew like who would show up right. to, to any local race, you know, and like looking back on it like if you look at the names now that like we're at some of those like, it'd be just be really cool to, to look at you know yeah like we have the top gun showdown coming up this weekend um and i tell you what you go back in you know pre-2010 or so and man the the names that would pop up that were just legends you know um yep. josh yep. Thomas, i remember Jimmy's, uh, uh B- brownie yep. Kevin Walker, I mean, there were so many of those yep. guys that would show up. Yep, yep, and that's uh, I remember at that the race that I uh, that I got Osborne's autograph was the the Top Gun Showdown at um, nice. at Muddy Creek, and there was like a big jump behind, right behind the starting gates. Um, it went, it was like a table over a single, yep. and uh, I remember, I don't remember exactly who all was there. I remember. I don't. I know it was Brownie, and there was like three or four younger guys. I think one of them was Osborne, and I can't remember the other guys that it was. But uh, maybe it could have been maybe like Cody Robbins or yes, someone. Yeah, 
but uh, yeah. they they uh, like I remember in practice, Brownie stopped him on the starting line and said, "Hey, watch this!" And he went and hit that jump. He's the first one to do it, and then everyone else started doing it too. But it's just like it's just like the I mean, even back then, it was the old dog teaching the young dog new tricks. And know? he still does it. Guarantee but, uh, he'd probably show up this weekend, yeah. and he would still you yeah. know put the work to those yep. guys yeah for sure i i uh i remember too going to like uh the arena crosses uh you know in the in the coliseum there and i guess it was it called it was called the charlotte coliseum right is that yeah. what it's called yeah or greensboro coliseum greensboro well there was greensboro but there was also one in charlotte oh. um it was yeah the, um, i would go to charlotte i like it was yeah, the one in charlotte. charlotte yeah yeah that's that was the, down uh, now it was the arena um the arena yeah I yeah, yeah i forgot what, what it name was is, yeah but I, I remember going there and, and, you know, watching whenever the big arena cross races would go and, and Jim, Jim Neese, Jim Chester, you know, all those guys yeah. racing that stuff. That was cool. Yeah, Real no, cool. that that's awesome. Uh, you got a new number, 31 for next year. How you feel about it? That's it. I like it. I like it. And moving, moving down, I think 31 looks a little better than 58, so we'll take yeah, it. Yeah, Although man. it seems like every no, every number I get, I, like, I hate it at first, but then I, it like kind of grows on me throughout the year. So yeah. I didn't mind 58 too much at the end of the year. But, uh, but no, I like the 31. I think it looks sharp. No, that's awesome. Uh, Heavy D, any final <laughs> questions for Jordan? Hey, 31 is half of 62, baby. There it is. You're right. You're right. Half a 62. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. Me yeah that's a good. That's a good pull, Heavy D. That's a good pull. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Good job. Quit that. Quit that. Oh, oh dude. I'm telling you. When, when I seen 31, I was like, you know what? I love it. It's half a 62. It's half a 62. Yeah. I, I, I think he can roll with that one. He can roll with it. Yep. Yeah, yep, and I'm no, sure you're probably not going to be uh, um, for your expectations leading into next year. I'm guessing you're you're going for a title. You want that title? That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, yeah, just it's uh, like I have said in some other podcasts and stuff. I feel like I've been kind of two different careers uh, here, with from the time I turned pro until about 2021, whenever I got off PC, and then. Uh, and then again, really like 2020, because 20 and 21 were just like basically non-existent years for me in racing. Right. And uh, so then a, another career started in 2022 whenever I got on firepower, it feels like. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I've just been getting better and better. And uh, I think I showed to everyone and, and really, I mean, proved to myself that I can still do it at L.A. And yep. uh, and knowing that whoops is, is one of my strength and, strengths and there was no whoops there. So. Um, yeah, I think that uh, it should be a good season, and uh, we're about to get started working here pretty soon and uh, get get going and, and be ready to battle, whether it's East or West Coast, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, hopefully just hopefully this ask, is the year. which coast you're doing? No, 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 way too early for that. Way we'll see. I might, I, might know by, I might know by Christmas. We'll see. Okay, cool. No, that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, I really do appreciate uh, – you, you got something else, Heavy D? Uh-huh. Oh, no, I was just laughing. You're good. Yeah, you're okay. good. Oh, man, I appreciate the time. Uh, Jordan Smith here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 27 or 28. I'm sorry. I'm losing track here. Uh, brought to you by Total Control Racing Suspension. And, uh, yeah, Jordan, local native to the North Carolina area. I'm sure all the listeners will uh, will have a good kick out of that uh, little local segment that we had there. And, uh, yeah, man, I uh, appreciate the time tonight. And uh, good last, of course, and uh, good luck next year. And I'm sure we'll talk before then, but I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. 
Yeah, man, local days were the best, man. I, I miss the days in North Carolina, and hopefully I can get back to those days one day. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate it and uh, and appreciate the, the good luck for next year, and uh, we'll try and put it on top of the box for, for NC, baby. That's right, that's right. North Carolina native right here. Jordan Smith on that Monster Energy Yamaha star racing team. Good luck next year, and uh, like I said, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, boys, for having me on. Yeah, man. You know everyone. See you later. Yep. That was the local North Carolina native, Jordan Smith, here on the line. And I tell you what, that was a really fun little local segment that we had there. And, and it's crazy, you know, how much these guys are invested into what they're doing right now as a professional, right? that they still love going back and bringing up those memories and talking about it. You know, when we first started off in the pod and we were talking about Supercross and all of that, you know, he was a little monotone, but it started to pick up once we started talking about the local stuff, you know, because they don't get to talk about it very much, you know, and, and that's why I bring some of these guys on that, you know, are on these factory teams and they probably, you know, it's so business for them and, you know, to bring up that, those childhood memories of the guys that they used to look up to. Like, I didn't know that he got a, you know, a autograph from Osborne. And then, you know, obviously he raced them for a title in 2017. But, man, it was really cool to have Jordan here on the podcast, huh? Oh, dude, it was it's awesome, bro. It's like what, what I think is, like, pretty cool is, you know, growing up, I got to ride with him a lot, dude. Like, yep. just going to East Bend so much mm -hmm. and, like – him, he was bound to succeed in it because, like, he was so invested. Right. Like, yeah. him and his family was so invested. Like, I remember, like, always when I started riding and I got pretty decent, I was like, I want to be a pro. I want to do this. And, like, even seeing, like, being at JGR every day and seeing what these guys invest into it, you don't really know how how they got there. You know they work hard for it, but a lot of people think, oh, like, they go to Loretta's, they win, they go to these nationals. Nah, dude, it's, it's, they invest a lot. Like, right. I told my dad that, and then he was out there, like, every day he'd show up. Like, every time he'd show up to the track. Dude, they was there when it opened, and then it would not leave till like, Travis turned the lights off. And he was out there pounding out motos, yep. pounding out laps, working starts. It was like, he was grinding. And i never forget, my dad was like, do you want? He said, "If you want it bad enough, you want to work that hard." I was like, "Hell no, it ain't that deep." <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, there's the long drives at night and everything that you know that the parents had to sacrifice to do. You know, do this stuff. Yes, he went to MTF when he was younger, but man, that doesn't mean that he didn't have to work for it, and the family didn't have to work for it for them to get to where he is now. You know? Oh, dude, he like people don't know like. I wish a lot of people could be flies on the wall for a lot of these guys. Like, we talk about the Shane McElrath. Like, a lot of people, they don't really know. They, they, they We talk about it, but they don't know his true story. Cooper Webb, like, same one. Like, if people can know how hard he worked, like Jordan. Right. Like, right. for me personally, like, growing up, being around him, like, seeing him on Tuesdays, like, seeing him at MTF, being at MTF, around him and stuff, I got to see a, a little bit of it, a, lot, a, a good bit of it. And even his mechanic Justin's been there for a long time. Tom, like, yeah, he was—he's from North Carolina, and he was around Jordan before he went pro. Yeah, like he was around a lot. It was like, dude, his dad grinded during the week, took him to practice. Mom worked, and then she took him to race while he worked. And then they still—he still had a brother, two more brothers. One was 
it's insanely good at soccer. Like, dude, they 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 sacrificed to make that work. Like, when I mean they put in the groundwork, it, he was bound to succeed because they sacrificed so much, dude. Yeah. Like, when I mean that's why I told my dad, hell no, it ain't that deep. I love dirt bikes. <laughs> I ain't trying to. I ain't. I ain't investing in like no. Like if I invest like that, it's like you have to succeed. I ain't trying to put that much pressure on nobody. You can't have a life outside of it. You know, it's it's literally eat, sleep, breathe, dirt bikes, twenty four seven. And then you have to invest yourself, your family. You have to make sacrifices. You know, you can't do this, you can't do that because you're going to these races and stuff like, and you're training and you know this and that. And man, it's uh. It's wild, but I tell you what, it was really awesome to hear his perspective on the local scene and his grind all the way up and going to MTF and then, you know, getting on these factory teams, uh, contending for titles, and, you know, now he's on that Monster Energy Yamaha star racing at the Goat Farm, uh, which, you know, he had you could literally throw a rock to from MTF his entire, you know, his entire career growing <laughs> up, right? So, I bet, so, you know, it's really, really awesome, and I'm really glad that he came on to the podcast. Oh, dude, I was stoked. I mean, it was – we got to talk about a lot. I mean, I wish we could have talked about some more of the MTF days, especially yeah. when he was on Geico Honda. Oh, boy. Like, dude, I tell you. It won't one, be the last time we have him on the pod, that's for sure. He kind of he kind of oh, knows no. the drill now, so he'll he'll be he'll be excited to come back on, so. Oh, yeah, dude, he will. I'll tell you, like, we get into more – there's a lot of them like that, man. It's, and there's a lot of locals, dude, that – like even Keith Tucker, yep. that was there. He's from North Carolina. Like, yep. dude, they carried the flag at MTF. Call him, stop. <laughs> <laughs> they carried the <laughs> they carried the flag at MTF. But we we'll oh, have to get sure. in some more of that when we get more of them. Absolutely, and we will. And I tell you what, man, it was great to have Jordan here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number twenty-eight. And the last thing that we got here, Heavy D, is some professional racing talk. I tell you what, the Motocross of Nations was this past weekend in Ernay, France, and we had R.J. Hampshire, Aaron Plessinger, and Christian Craig, a part of the United States team. And, you know, they finished eighth overall, but that doesn't mean, like, for me, I see a lot of people hating on those guys, and um, I see a lot of people and hate on those guys for the placing that they got. And I tell you what, man, I just think it was cool that we even had a team. Like me and Ken Farrell will talk we're talking up on uh in the booth this weekend. We almost didn't even have a team that went. And at least these guys showed up and went. And I tell you what, AP had that fifth in the first moto, which was absolutely phenomenal. And in that second moto for RJ, he came from way in the back up to tenth. And Christian Craig, you know, we all knew that he wasn't, you know, completely up to speed yet. He's only been on the bike for you know, a little bit over a month now. So, man, I still give credit where credit's due. They went over there. They had a blast and uh, put in some great results. Team France ended up winning. Um, in the second place was Australia, and Italy came out in third. But what were some of your takeaways from the Motocross of Nations, Heavy D? I'm, I'm going to put it like like. I know it's a lot of people throwing some hatred there, but I honestly, I wouldn't even, I was pumped. Dude, we didn't think, I didn't even think we were going to have 
destinations team. Right. And me personally, for them three to go do it, hats off. Like, I was pumped. Like, I honestly didn't care how they finished. For me, it was the fact they went and did it. Like, RJ had a, like, he had a gnarly crash. He probably shouldn't have even been there. Like, Fletcher just raced all year. He's been grinding, grinding, grinding. Christian hadn't raced at all until then, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, that's right. He got hurt in the, uh, I believe, a couple, uh, well, it was a couple rounds in to the Supercross season, and yeah, he'd been out for quite a while and only been on the bike for a little bit over a month before he even went to France, so. Like, dude, they just, I mean, for them to give up more of their time, like, after the season was basically, like, especially with playoffs coming into play, like, they didn't have any break. They went, like, straight into it. Man, like, give those dudes their credit. They deserve every bit of it. I don't care how they finish. Even if they wouldn't even made it in, I'd have been perfectly fine with it. That sounds bad, but, like, when all else fell through, nobody else wanted to go and fly the flag for the greatest country, there's, uh, the greatest country there is, USA. Land of the home of the brave. They went and did it. And they did it proudly. That's right. That's right. And if, you know, AP, a lot of people have been saying that he didn't have a good second moto. And I'm not going to lie. Dude, on a track that you have never rode before, I'm sure setup was tough. I know Chris Kiefer and them talked about it on the on the Pulp Show last night um, about the different setups and things like that. Dude, after 31 races and then going pretty much two or three weekends afterwards, going all the way across the country or, you know, over the ocean to go over there and race, and it's a different vibe. And, dude, 102,000 people were there. And, you know, it, yeah, it does have a little bit of pressure. But still, at the end of the day, those guys went, they waved the flag, and they had fun. That is what I believe that the MXON uh, needs to continue as, you know, even if we don't win, we just want those guys to have fun because there's really nothing in it for them, right? Even if they win, there's not a lot. There's hardly any money at it. They're not getting paid any more than what they are doing to go to these races. So why not just go and have fun and, you know, enjoy the crowd, enjoy the atmosphere. And, you know, for some of those guys, it was their first time. So, I mean, yeah. I just, I just, I just think the hate needs to kind of stop with the whole, you know, that we sent a B team and and all of this shit, man. I'm just glad that we even had a team uh, to go over there. Dude, I agree with you a thousand percent. Like that hate needs to like that that noise honestly needs to be killed because I mean they did it when nobody else wanted to. Yep. Like that's how I look at it, and I mean. I know everybody rides the same track, but I mean that. I mean it's uh, designations, and that I mean that ain't something they normally ride either. That that was that's a that's a different kind of track that they was racing, man. Like this, it it was definitely different, that's for sure. But I mean, they still went over there and did it for sure, for uh, sure. Know. And I tell you what, the best race so, was that was that moto number one between uh, Febra and um, Prado. I tell you what, that was a really, really good race, and um, and I think the surprise a lot of people have been talking about it was Kenny. He got the overall in that MXGP class, and a lot of people say they forget about how good Kenny is. I don't, bro. Like 
Kenny shows up, man. When when all of the when everybody is doubting him or not thinking about him or whatever the case may be, it's like a light switch goes off in his helmet, man. And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna show everybody wrong." And sure enough, man, Dude. he put in two great rides to get himself the overall on a what eight year old bike, and he still does. It wasn't mm-hmm. even. You know, he didn't bring a bike over there. He brought parts and all of that for a bike that was uh, that was over there, if I'm not mistaken. So for him to do that out of the back of pretty much a you know an uh, a a van for the most part, and to put in rides like that for his country and of Germany, man, I tell you what, that that is that is awesome. And they finished up fourth overall with him, uh, Simon Langenfelder, and um, Tom Cox. So uh, give it up to Kenny. And also uh, before we. Uh, or before I let you uh, speak on that, I think Vial was the top rider for me. Um, I know he had that eighth place, but, I, dude, he was on Renault's ass on there. I believe it was the second moto, and, dude, yeah. on a 250, and he was put – dude, that is unreal. And you know what's crazy is that was his U.S. bike with uh, MXGP fuel. So he was racing his American bike just with different fuel, and – I tell you what, everybody better watch out for next year because he's already got a year of Supercross under his belt there towards the end of SMX and towards the end of Outdoors. He was really, really starting to show something, so now he's going to be kind of in his uh, – he's going to be a lot more comfortable now knowing how this series goes and all of that. Man, I tell you what, you better watch out for that Red Bull factory racing KTM rider of Tom Vial next year. He's going to be a menace out there, I, I have a feeling. Oh, dude, Tom Vial was ripping. Like, he was throwing down. I don't know if it was, like, because that was kind of, like, back on, like, home, you know, back at the MHGP-style tracks or or what, but he was he was on it. And Kenny, people can say that. I, I'm not going to lie. I feel like Kenny's getting better. Yeah, Dude, right? Right? Like, I, I don't know if. Like supercross wise, I still feel like the the Honda that year that he got hurt in seventeen, that's gonna be a tough one for him to beat. But I feel like all the way throughout, like he had no serious injuries. He didn't have no crazy uh sicknesses. I know that he didn't race because of the whole F or the uh, WSX deal. He was the closest one to damn near steal a t- or steal a moto went away from Ken or I mean from Jet. And, yeah, man, he has gotten better. And I think next year he's going to be even better. Um, and he re-upped on his deal for that HEP Suzuki team for next year. So, um, man, he's going to be a, another one to watch out for next year. But don't don't ever count out Kenny because any time that you count out Kenny, here he comes and he's going to win or he's going to be damn near close to it. Yeah, dude, like I'm not counting out Kenny. One, because – He's going to be the reason Suzuki makes makes a change to that bike. Right. I hope so. As an Army, so. Army lover, and have always been a supporter of uh, the Suzukis, and I still think they're the best looking bikes in the pits. Man, nobody can tell me it can prove me wrong. I know we got other bikes that are coming into play, and we've had some awesome uh, color schemes and you know um, uh, throwback bikes and all of that throughout the years but i'm telling you man there's nothing better than a than a suzuki that looks top notch like they've uh done over there at hep and uh even bar x like even dylan schwartz bike 
man, that, I'm telling you, there's just something about a Suzuki that looks the best in the pits, in my opinion. No, I agree, dude. Suzuki, it's it, it's nasty, and it's it, dude. It's a comfortable bike. It it looks nice. It look it, uh, the feel of it is amazing. So I I agree with you. But where's the hate on the Suzuki now? Nobody's talking shit about a Suzuki now, you know, because they got a guy. Of course, yes, Ken Roxon being on it helps. But guess what? He had to make it work for himself and all of the testing hours that they've had to do on that thing. He would have to do it at another team anyways, but he chose Suzuki because he felt comfortable with it and he felt good with the team and he felt that, you know, that they can make the bike winnable. And sure enough, sure as shit, he made that bike winnable again so don't ever count out Kenny uh I I will never ever count out Kenny and and sure enough I you know um I won't going into 2024 I think he's gonna be he's gonna come out and um be a title contender next year for sure um and I don't know how anybody else says that he couldn't be a title contender because man he was putting it to Jet uh there if you want to talk about the winner of SMX and and all of that and he won you know Indy uh, or Detroit, was it Indy or Detroit that he won? I think it was Detroit that he won uh, the Supercross this year. Um, right? Was it Detroit, Heavy D? Do you remember? That Kenny won? Yeah. Was it Detroit or Indy? Yeah. I'm pretty, I think it was Indy. Yeah, it was either one of those. But regardless of the fact, you know, um, but he was, you know, yeah, he's only going to get better. So, um Moving on from the motocross the nations, unless you had something else uh, that you wanted to talk about that caught your eye from uh, from that race, and you know, uh, congrats to the ho- to the home team of uh, France with Febra Vial, excuse me, uh, <laughs> Febra Vial and uh, Renault. Man, they put in an awesome ride, of course, on their home soil. Australia with the uh, with the Lawrence brothers and Dean Ferris, and then Italy. I think that was probably a surprise. Nobody really thought Italy was going to get on the on the box, but they did with Ferrado, uh, Adamo, and I tell you what, Adamo and Everett um, went at each other in that second moto, and uh, um, Everett was uh, was on that uh, 350 for for the first time, and he looked really good and um, awesome rides uh, for Italy in the top three. Did you have anything else for the motocross of nations? Uh, no, I think that was pretty much it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, man, the crowd looked insane. Like, we thought Redbud was oh, dude. insane. Dude, that place uh, erupted when um, those guys came over the finish line for that last race. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's it for the Motocross and Nations talk. Um, other big news, the worst-kept secret ever, I believe, for, the, for this year and, and team switches is, of course, Chase Sexton going to that Red Bull factory racing KTM for next year and he's switching to number four and uh the official came out this this week for it um i'm sure you saw the videos and some photos of him with the number four and of course the number one plate that he'll run for supercross what's your what's your thoughts what uh what do you think for chase moving to uh the red bull factory racing ktm for next year uh i mean I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I'm curious to see how he'll fare on the KTM. I mean, he looks pretty, he looks good on it, you know. But I mean, practice and racing, you know, it's, it's a bit of a different story, you know. Right. So only time will tell. I mean, right? 
Yeah, yeah, only time will tell. But I mean, he's honestly, fast. I, he's fast, so it's it's not like he he can't go out and and win races. I I think this this bike has proven that it's won championships before, and you know the team and the people that are behind him. And maybe the grass is greener on the other side, and he won't have a lot of those mistakes that he had on the Honda now with this uh, new KTM ride. But like, like, uh, like I said, time will tell. You know, I just, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I don't really think w- when it comes to Chase, his speed is there. Right. Like he's he's honestly, I think he's go- he'd be fast on anything you put him on. That's right. I, I just feel. I personally feel like it's more mental than anything. Mm-hmm. I, like, I just feel like he can go win on any of the bikes, yep. not a doubt. His speed's there. To me, it's one of those things. I, I'm, I wonder if it's like if the mental side plays a part into the season, and then it goes back to problems with the bike. Because, I mean, I, I'm not there. This is just my personal opinion. I don't think the big issue was really the bike now granted grant grant granted this i could i could probably say like i think honda probably did want both the lawrence brothers on 450s you know right so he he was kind of out on that deal regardless because they had their guy like if i feel like if it came down to it and it was if it was reversed then they would they would have won they would have tried harder to keep chase and left Jet in the reins there for a little bit, you know? Right. Maybe. But I just I just wonder if it's like if that mental aspect comes in and he starts making those same mistakes, will it be the same issue be played over? Because I mean, me me personally, like I feel like if if something like especially if it, the front end wasn't that great on that bike, which, which Kenny said it it wasn't at the time, but Kenny didn't really make that many mistakes though right i think he knew how to fare with it i feel like on, on chases and it, it it was more of like a mental error because personally like he was going way too fast and getting way too close too many times for it have been it to be the bike i feel like it was mental errors when he got that close to him right right yeah it'll be interesting time will tell and supercross isn't gonna be it'll be here before we know it so um Man, it's going to be an awesome season uh, again, and I'm sure that we'll do a preview a couple weeks beforehand, and we'll talk about everything. But, yep, that was the big uh, news, the worst-kept secret uh, in the sport for sure. And um, we talked about him going to number four last episode, so we don't really need to talk too much on that. But, yep, it will be uh, – time will tell. We'll see We'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, of course, the, uh, the reigning Supercross champion, so – uh, we will see. And uh, some other news came out. New rides for Maximus Volin and Levi Kitchen were announced to Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki. So we'll see if the grass is greener on the other side for both of them as well. What are your thoughts on both Volin and Kitchen going to Pro Circuit Kawasaki? I didn't – I mean, that's something I didn't really see coming. I mean, it, it's good. I mean, I think, you know, change is good, but – it's one of those things I didn't really see it coming. I mean, it's funny how it all worked out. Like, how that just bowling going to pro circuit. I mean, leaving KTM go to pro circuit, which, I mean, 
I could probably see it and understand, but I, it's still shocking to me, you know? Right. Like him and, and Levi, like, I just, not me personally, this is just me. Nothing against Pro Circuit or any other team, but I just, I, he, I'm not him. He has his reasons, you know? I, I personally wouldn't have left Star to go to Pro Circuit. That's just me. Right. I mean, probably back in the day, like, yeah, like, everybody wanted to be on Pro Circuit. Pro Circuit is still a badass ride. Like, don't get, I'm not discrediting that, but I just feel like right now, like, the best bike out there is that Star Yamaha. And, and that's just me. But, yeah, I heard, I heard but, Kitchen's interview on, uh, cause he was on the Pulp Mech show last night. And so I got to listen to his, his opinion on it. And he said that it was, more of just a grudge match every single day and it you know that the pressure was just there all the time and he's going to sandbox now so he'll kind of be more by himself and he feels like that may be the key to what he needs instead of just having those grudge matches and having everybody watch him and um and all of that uh i think that he just wanted to be more uh, by himself and try to figure it out and of course he just needs to you know he has those motos where if he gets a whole shot he can win and then those other motos he has those races where he'll start 10th and it's just really hard for him to move up so if he can just get a mediocre start like he was saying and put himself in that fifth place position off the start then he would be able to work his way up um, and all of that but we'll see if that you know helps him out with uh, you know him and um, you know, going to Sandbox now and all of that. But he gave credit to the entire, you know, Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing team for working with Swanee and being with that team and and all of that. So he didn't discredit anything. He just said that there was just a, it was just a grudge match every single day. And I can see that and I can understand that. And, you know, oh. these guys, you know, sometimes they just need to, I guess, just really just be by themselves you think about some of the greats they didn't they didn't ride with nobody you know or they rode with guys that are not on their same level right uh but he's going the sandbox and he's going to be working with other top guys down there so um maybe this will be good for him but kind of like the chase sexton deal time will tell right yeah honestly you know i and i, I get it but I, I mean i'm not gonna lie to you i for, for me personally, I I rode with, like, we both, like, you know, you train with Jim and rode with a bunch of other guys like, you know, uh, Hall and um, several other ones, you know, um, Josh Hall and all those guys. Yep. You, you rode with a bunch of those guys. And, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with training with other guys, but, like, what, me personally, what I've, I've come to learn is this is just my theory. I feel like, I mean, some, like, a lot of greats, yeah, they train by themselves and, I'm a firm believer in that because the reason I am just me personally, I feel like, you know, you chasing somebody, training with somebody every day, you, you learn to latch on to those particular habits right? of racing a particular person instead of racing the track. That's right. You know, you, you know what I mean? Yep. Like that, that's just me. And like they, they're star, like they train with each other and, they go at it daily. Like, it, it's a grind. And, I mean, when they don't do good, they're held accountable for it. And, like, 
they they based they base how they're going to do off of how they ride with each other during the week. Right. And me personally, I can see Levi's. I see Levi's point. Yep. I just I don't think that's how it should be based off of because you got you know 50, 60 other guys <laughs> that that's different. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it it may help them. I mean. He, I, I'm pretty sure they probably tried to like work work something out and do something different, but at the end of the day, it probably just worked for him. And, and I get it, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I hope he does. I hope he does good on the first version. I mean, hell, Sushi was killing it at the end on it. I thought he was, you know, I understand he left pro circuit too, but I thought he, me personally, I felt like he was the one that was going to bring the that, that dominant pro circuit team pro circuit team back to the light again. Yep. Yeah, they definitely found something there in the in the motocross season. They definitely found something to make that bike uh, even better. And and Kitchen even said, you know, a lot of people have been asking him, you know, what's the what's the difference between the bikes? And you know, he said that the the Star Yamaha is very very fast, but he said that the Pro Circuit Kawasaki now is not too far off or pretty pretty damn close now. So he didn't have really anything negative to say about the Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Uh, compared to the star Yamaha, he said, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but damn near pretty close. He said that, you know, it, it shouldn't be a big difference as far as power goes since they found whatever they did inside of the engine of that per circuit Kawasaki. But, you know, time will tell. And um, the last thing is Enzo Lopes to the Monster Energy Yamaha star racing team for SX only. And apparently that PR is going to be coming out sometime this week. And I heard about it from my source uh, a handful of weeks ago. And then I heard maybe it wasn't going to happen. And now apparently it is. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for that Enzo Lopes, the Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing for SX only heading into 2024, coming out soon. I heard about that. But the only reason it kind of threw me for a loop is because the, the SX only. That's what kind of got me. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to do the WSX. He. I don't think. I don't think Enzo Lopes is is a guy that wants to do outdoor nationals. Uh, I mean, I mean, honestly, like if you think about it, like why you want to go work three times as harder and make less money when you can go race, uh, do more Supercross to make more. Which I mean, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see, obviously, what team he's gonna uh, gonna go with uh, for because you know the Club MX deal came out where he said he was signed, and so now they've had to you know take that off, and yeah, he's going to Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing uh, for right now. So um, that's some of the professional racing talk news and a little bit of. Uh, go ahead. Okay, let's. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just. Okay, I, I'm a guy. You, you know how I am. I have my, my 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 ways of thinking outside the box. Your your theories. Yeah, I have my theories. All right, let's hear it. Okay. He he was signed with club, right? Yeah. Just to me, this just makes sense. He's been with club like religiously, like he's he's been super faithful to them. Right. What if it's one of those deals? I hope I ain't ruining this for nobody if I'm right. What if they're like, they, they offer him that deal and he's like, okay. And, and the club next team like, yeah, you can go do it. We'll let you out. 
but we need some feedback on what they do to that star Yamaha to make it better than ours. Mm. Mm. Maybe some insider scoops there. Yeah, so he gets the SX only deal with Star, but then he comes back for WSX, and he gets to race WSX. Come around 2025, he's back club full-time, but he comes back with insight. Because you you got to think, I mean, the they're around. In order to make a bike better, they got to be able to tell them what they want, and they can see that stuff. Right, but don't you think clubs probably got to be freaking pissed that – you know that he said that he would ride for him and then all of a sudden he cancels out on that deal or whatever the case may be and then he goes to monster energy yamaha star racing like i felt like if i was club i'd be pissed because enzo was doing you know he had his best year you know this year and um you know got his uh you know podium contender and all of that so you know they're kind of losing out on a top guy for supercross ah. to go to their main competitor See, what here is I I thought about that and I wanna say yeah. And I'm still I'm still on board with saying yeah, but then again you gotta think. Coming back, how long has the this this I mean they've been on and off. But was it two, three years now they've been fully in effect? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Look how long it took Star to get to where they are now. You think about that. Years and years. It, it and took years. a lot. Years and years. So, okay, you can be mad, but then again, if you think business-wise and smart-wise, okay, we we have this guy. It would be dumb to try to hold him and do R and D and try and build up another five to eight years when we can send him and get there in another two. Yeah, yeah. Kind of just relay the feedback, pretty much. Yeah, like. That I understand, like, because dude, he's been killing it. He, he's he's right there, right? Literally, he's right there. Uh, and, and club, like, and they're right there. But it, you know, it's still that thing. It could take several more years because Star has that power to go in amateur ranks and keep getting these top kids out. Look, they got Deegan. They took him from KTM. Yeah. They got Dax. Like, they took him from KTM. Like, literally, they get everybody. Yeah. Like they they know which ones to pick. Now they got Gavin Towers. It can help club get that power if that's the case. Right, right. I see where you're coming from, and yeah, it would be really interesting to hear the backstory because, um, you know, from my source that I got that he was going to go, like I said a couple of weeks ago, um, it was a little bit of drama uh, behind it for sure from what from what my source told me. So it would be really interesting to hear what the backstory is, um, and I'm sure it will come out at some point. So, um but yeah, that was that was it for the professional racing side talk. Uh, motocross the nation, Sexton going to the number four, uh, or going to be number four, going to that Red Bull factory racing KTM, the worst kept secret of the year for sure. Uh, new rides for Volan and Kitchen on that Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and of course, floats to the Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing Team. Um, anything else on the professional racing side, Heavy D? Before we uh, come to the conclusion of this episode here um oh how do you think sushi's gonna do on the honda i mean i know he does good but do you, i mean i know it ain't close to time yet but do you feel like uh this upcoming season is his championship season yes yes i do i feel i feel I like, like it. i feel like what he wanted was he wanted to be 
the main guy. Does that make sense? Like, he didn't want to have um, three or four other guys or six or however many Pro Circuit Kawasaki has. He wanted to be the main guy. And I think that this is his opportunity to have it there at Team Honda HRC. And I feel like he's going to have all of, you know, every single rider just about either wants to be, at least in my opinion, wants to have a chance to ride the Pro Circuit Kawasaki, but also now to be on that Honda HRC bike, I feel like this is going to be, I think the grass is greener for Sushi on this side. I, I really do. Um, you know, I am a big Joe supporter, and I do like Joe. He's such a cool kid and his background and all of that good stuff. But I feel like this is his year. And if he can put it together, um, man, I, th I I really think it is his year. I think he's going to do really well. What, what what about you? Oh, yeah, dude. I, the, the reason I do is because, like, one, he rode the Honda for a while. I know it's, it's different now from when he was on Geico. But, I mean, you, you got to think. He didn't – it ain't like he, he wanted to really get off that bike. It was kind of one of those deals he kind of got forced out of it because the team shut down. Yeah, so, everybody did, right? That, so, Yeah. That, that next best thing was, I mean, that pro circuit, you know. And, dude, he – I don't know what got into him here, like, recently, but he's he figured something out, and he, he got it dialed. Yeah. He was he was so, a, he was a different guy those last couple of nationals and going into SMX especially with that Charlotte ride I mean dude he was flying dude he was it was like it was like a new Joe just popped up and man he he did phenomenal so I think for next year I think um, him switching team teams the grass is going to be greener for all sushi for sure oh dude. Uh, dude, it's gonna be. It's Team Sushi's going to be uh, alive. That's right. It's gonna be lit for next year. Yeah, I, dude. I, you know, we're, you know, we're done with the 31 races, and now MXON is done. And you know what? I, I, I'm ready to be in 24 already. I'm ready to be in Anaheim one and and uh, shut the lights off, let the fireworks hit. Sing that national anthem and let's go racing, man. It's going to be awesome with uh, all of this new stuff that's going on in the background and new teams for guys, new uh, numbers for guys, like career numbers. Uh, Levi got to pick uh, career number, so he picked 47 for his amateur number. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was really cool, and he talked about that a little bit on the um, on the Pulpamex show. And um, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a really good year for Supercross, and I think it's only going to get bigger now and you know this is what we wanted we wanted this sport to grow and i think this year was just the start of this sport growing and um yeah the the smx series uh did really well like we talked about last week on the episode but yeah man i can't wait for supercross 24 i'm sure you agree with me oh dude supercross 24 is going to be oh man if we get back to Mac. Sexton switch, both Lawrence brothers on four patties. Hold on, yeah, Hunter is on a four fifty, isn't he? Yep, yep. Oh, buddy, Coop, I'm back on the Yamaha, dude. I'm so excited. I know, man, and we still got what two and a half more months or so until we drop the gate. But man, I'm already excited. Already got some goosebumps talking about it. It's gonna be 
it's going to be awesome. And uh, like I said, I'm going to do my best to get to Anaheim 1. I've never been to Anaheim 1, the season opener, and uh, I want to make it a goal to uh, to get there. So we're going to do everything in our power to fucking be there, dude, because it's going to be one that's going to be talked about for the ages for sure. So, um, But that's it for episode number 28 here on the Imperative MX podcast where we spoke about local motocross racing from this past weekend and upcoming races to look forward to. A call in from the new FXR rep for the local scene, Matty Silva, about his new gig over there at FXR, his background, local racing, and much more. Then we had a call in from a local North Carolina native on that Monster Energy Yamaha star racing, Jordan Smith, about his 2023 season. Hopping back into the pro motocross scene since 2019, his super, or super motocross world championship run, and talked about, of course, his amateur local NC background, and that was so good to talk with, uh, with Jordan, and man, I tell you what, his local NC background, man, he loved it um, back then and still loves to talk about it now, so, and finally, we spoke about the motocross of nations this past weekend and other news that came out within the past week on the professional side and it was a really good episode with some awesome insight and we hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did here on the imperative mx podcast episode number 28 and big thanks again to the companies who make this possible west virginia motorsports fxr dirt industries custom graphics silver valley mx park Hydropower, Mika Metals, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. Well, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Imperative MX Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, TikTok. Find the other episodes and more local scene things on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you you get your podcasts nowadays. Check out ImperativeMX.com when you can and post on the new forums that are up on the site. From myself, Zach Newberry, and co-host, Herbie D. We're out. See you next week. <laughs>